Hey, what's going on, Who That Nation? It is your truly TJ Jones, the host of the State of the Saints podcast. Thank you so much for checking out the State of the Saints podcast, where we talk New Orleans Saints. And on this edition, uh, we're going to be talking about Mark Ingram. Of course, uh, Mark Ingram's fumbling issue. But we do have a special guest with us here on the State of the Saints podcast. And, and some of you may know him, you know, especially from all of his content on YouTube, and keeping us laughing about the New Orleans Saints uh, on Twitter. And if you don't believe me, check this clip out. Hey, Saints fan, Saints fan. Yeah, you guys swept us last year, but we went to the playoffs, and you guys didn't. So you know what that means, right? We are once again a better team than you. So you guys, what do you want? Leave me alone with this. You guys are not our rivals. Stop it. Get out of my house. Now. You know what? I don't want to have to do this, but you want this on yourself. This is gonna get you. My guest here on the State of the Saints podcast is Jono Barnes. Jono, how you doing, man? <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. I know we were live. I, I was just getting ready for the rematch with the Buccaneers because apparently I was going to go. So I was just getting ready for that matchup. Jeez, my bad. Huh? Let me put that oh, down. Man. Oh, man. Oh, man. But... I'm ready for December. Hey, man. I think we all ready, man. I. Look, I know some people were at that game, and some people say they were thinking about jumping out of the stands to go down there to, to go and strap with these Buccaneers. It's me, TJ. I'm some people. I was ready. I was, I was... <laughs> man, but John, John, thank you so much for being here, man. I appreciate your time. And uh, once again, man, you, you always keep us laughing. Uh, but my, my first question to you, what made you start like doing like the, these parodies and coming up with these skits about the New Orleans Saints? You know, it's funny. I um, so I when I first got into the content game, I wanted to obviously have the Saints and Pelicans be a part of it because I'm a huge Saints and Pelicans fan. Mm-hmm. And there's just so many great Saints podcasts and streams and analysis out there, including you, TJ. And I was like, well, what can make me, you know, kind of stick out? And I'm surprised that in a city like New Orleans and a state like Louisiana that has so much talent. Nobody really dived into that comedic aspect of it because mm-hmm. Lord knows the Saints gives us so much stuff to work with as far as being able to turn it into something of comedy or humor. So I say, mm-hmm. I think I can kind of dive into that lane a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it was like a way to, because Lord knows the Saints gives us so many heartbreaks week after week, postseason after postseason. Mm-hmm. I wanted to kind of deliver something that where even if we're going through um, a rough loss or a heartbreaking season end or whatnot, we can have something to laugh at. You know, it's all sports at the end of the day. It's entertainment. So I wanted to just kind of bring a 
comedic slash entertaining value to the greatest team and fan base in the NFL, the Who That Nation. Yeah, man, no doubt about it. And you do an outstanding job, man. I mean, I played a little bit of the skit that you did about the Bucks uh, leading up to the game. That was my uh, greatest work, TJ. That was my- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, don't 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 sell yourself short, man. All of, all of your uh, skits are extremely entertaining and funny. But um, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about um, just you know just the whole like comedy thing. Uh, it, it was comedy something that you always wanted to get into. Or was it something that you kind of fell into? Because, you know, watching your skits, you can tell, like, you're a natural at it, man. I, I wish you would tell my wife that. She always tells me, ain't nothing you do funny to me, brother. <laughs> um, hey, my wife don't think I'm funny either, man. So. Know, I, 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 people thought of me. I, I, somebody thinks I'm funny? Jeez. Um, so I would say... I think I'm naturally goofy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I, I, sometimes when people introduce me on shows, uh, uh, we do interviews and whatnot, they call me a comedian. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to be called a comedian. I feel like to be a comedian, you have to be able to go and do stand-up or something like that. And I would never mm-hmm. put myself in the same realm of a Dave Chappelle, Eddie Murphy, uh, Kevin Hart, things like that. But mm-hmm. I would say uh, just from an entertaining aspect and me being goofy, that usually leads to more comedy right so right. i always call myself uh an entertainer and again the words like comedy funny or entertaining is subjective so i might not be for everybody but mm. i do think that just my natural i sound like i'm patting myself on the back but my natural goofiness and my natural charisma can lead to you know just funny bits with the same so that's kind of where the comedic aspect of all of my content comes from yeah yeah, man. I mean, all of the content I've seen, man, is is extremely funny, and uh, you know, I, I stay laughing at it. Thank you. Thank but uh, speak, man. But let's let's talk about something that's probably not that funny, and I'm talking about the fight that took place, Tampa Bay versus the New Orleans Saints. Marshawn Lattimore, uh, Mike Evans. I mean, this has been going on since 2017, since Marshawn got into the league. We all know about the shot that he took in the back of the head at the hands of Mike Evans, and Mike Evans again, you know, coming through with another shot. Uh, I think you were at the game, if I'm not mistaken. I was. Like, man, put us in that moment right there for those that were not at the game. What what was going through the mind of the Saints fans when you all actually saw that in real time? So it was a big third down stop, right? Mm-hmm. Marshawn Lattimore shut down Mike Evans, as usual, right. the Bucks coaches and players on the sideline. And, of course, Tom Brady being the main one was complaining, man, he's hurting, he's doing this, it's, it's football, man up. Right. Man up. Right. Um, and so like, it, it happened so quick. Like, I, some, I kind of feel like the TV got the better shot. Like, you know, like you get a big third down stop, so the fans are clapping. Mm-hmm. The next thing you look at the field, you just see a big scrum happening. So right. a lot of fans, I would say, didn't even really see what initiated the fight until they showed the replay. Mm-hmm. So we didn't know, you know, we didn't know that. It, I mean, if you take a good guess, you're probably like, yeah, it's probably Marshawn Lattimore and Mike Evans going at it. But nobody really knew what happened until we saw the replay. We just saw a huge scrimmage being happening on the field. And then when we saw the replay, that's when, you know, you know, you got the drunk fans who are already waiting for something to happen. And you got the <laughs> fans who are already a little ticked off because at that point they were, really struggling and it was like a hostile environment in the dome after we actually almost had a few fights in our section i'm sure there were fights throughout the whole stadium i, mm-hmm. I, I was actually mad tj because i've been waiting for years i've been a season ticket holder for 15 years and i've mm-hmm. never got an actual fight you know i want to catch one of those viral fight moments i was right there's a couple too it was the same couple versus a bucks couple i was like oh it's gonna be a good one but it never got it never lasted past everything past shove, shoving and stuff um it was just it was it was pandemonium, and I feel like once we saw the replay, what made it like so infuriating is that they threw out 
Marshawn Lattimore. Mm. Like, Evans obviously deserved to get thrown out because he came from the sideline. Like, it didn't even involve me. At first, it was just between him, uh, Lattimore, and Fournette. So, Evans coming now one deserved more than one game. I'm glad he got one game, but he deserved more because this was his second violation. Right. Two, I'm like, well, how does Leonard Fournette not get thrown out when, if you look at the tape, him and Lattimore essentially did the same type of, you know, fighting movements. Like, mm-hmm. was, you know, you're looking at the replay in New York and you're saying, oh, well, Fournette's fine, even though he really was the one who started everything. Right. But Lattimore and Evans needs to be the one. The NFL makes no sense. The NFL is just stupid. Yeah. I know that's a different question than what you asked me, but I just nah, that's cool. <laughs> I hate you know. I, I love the sport, the greatest sport in the world, the greatest athletes in the world. I hate the league. <laughs> you, you know, I, I was thinking about this. You know, Marshawn Lattimore pretty much owns Mike Evans, so Mike Evans going to the locker room early is not as you know. It, it, it doesn't hurt the team as much as Marshawn right, Lattimore right, not not being factor, out there. Right? Yeah, he's a non-factor <laughs> most of the time. Not, I mean, but we know what Marshawn Lattimore could bring to the table. So I guess, you know, if he can go – I think he had a, a Phoenix Suns jersey on. He can go put his jersey on a little earlier, you know, before the game over. You know, he probably can beat traffic because he definitely wasn't doing anything in the game. Right, he wasn't I, beating Marshawn Lattimore in football. So, yeah, he definitely exactly. could, he could beat something for today, <laughs> you know. Man, it's still, was, it's not, and you know what, TJ, what, what annoys me the most is that mm-hmm. how – and, and this is actually something that I satire a lot in my skits. I know we, mm-hmm. I always joke that my skits are not just skits, but the documentaries. Like I do, uh, silly as it might be to believe, but like sometimes I have like deeper meanings behind just the silliness of my skits. And what I like to right. poke on a lot at is fandom and just being fanatic of your team and how being a fan of a certain thing can just make you so biased and obtuse to anything besides what you're cheering for. And you know, I get a lot of flack from, especially Bucks fans. Like my mentions, the past three days have been going crazy with Bucks fans on my ass. But whatever, <laughs> very relevant. Um, Join the club. <laughs> but, but I poke fun at the Saints the most, to be honest. Which, like, people don't yeah. understand that. Like, I make fun of our team the most, and I make fun yeah. of the fact that as fanatics, you know, you're always going to be extremely biased. And the Bucks fans are just like being purposefully obtuse about this fight and how, oh well, Evans was just protecting his quarterback, and he's a great teammate. He's a warrior. And I, I tweeted yesterday, I said, now, if the roles were reversed, and that's Mike Thomas coming from the sideline and pushing Colin Davis, and we got Sean Payne as a special advisor, like where they got Bruce mm-hmm. Aaron. Sean Payne is on the white lines of the um, field, yelling at referees and telling the players, go get retaliation or whatever. Bucks fans will be throwing a hissy fit. Mm-hmm. Oh, Evans, you guys are classless, Bernie Day, you guys are so... And I'm like, so how can y'all not realize that how biased you are by cheering for Evans and complaining about him being suspended and saying, no, oh, it was Latimer was falling in that. And I'm like, do y'all not see the the bias of what being a fan is? And they took offense to that. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. one, you know, I, you got to know your audience, right? It's the Bucks fan. So I know they're kind of yeah. they're stupid yeah. in the head, but it's just, <laughs> it's, just it's funny to me. And, I, and I'm going to continue to poke fun of it, of how mm-hmm. fans can just be so, you know, removed from being unbiased in actual reality because mm-hmm. a person is wearing their team's laundry, you know? Yeah. And we do it as Saints fans, too. You know, we're biased. Yeah. You know, yeah. We're the way around. We were yeah, biased. Like, Hell yeah, Mike, get that, you know? But it's just infuriating when you're on the other side and you see, like, these Bucks fans and even some of the media analysts, like, acting like mm-hmm. it's no. I saw Tom Brady did an interview. He was like, oh, you know, I appreciate Mike Evans for protecting me. And uh, he's going <laughs> to and I'm like, one time, technically, I said before, that started it. Brady was the one, you know, always jawing and whatever, which is fine. Right. I don't mind trash talking football. But 
But don't talk about protection when Lattimore wasn't going to do anything to Tom Brady. Come on, nah. That was yeah. like the most Karen-like statement I've ever heard from a quarterback. Oh, he was protecting me. From what, Tom? What was he protecting you from? Like, it's just so <laughs> silly. And I can't wait till December. I really can't. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited, man. I'm excited about it. We gotta beat them standpoint. I just want to get some retaliation. It's New Orleans. If you give us a lick, we're gonna get our lick back. Exactly. I'm not sure we gotta do anything dirty, but I do want to like you know get in their heads a little bit in December. Yeah, man. I remember those uh classic fights. I went to Carver High School, man. Ooh, I remember you, you asked for that. <laughs> I, I remember the fights with old Perry Walker back in the day. From the outside, but you went to Carver, sheesh. Yeah, man. I remember them fights, man. You, you, we play old Perry Walker in a football game, and you know, everybody kind of out there joining, and you got people pushing and shoving. Well, we used to end that thing right there on Canal Street, you oh, know, <laughs> and NOPD end up <laughs> separate those fights. I get it. I get exactly. It. Uh, but man, I, I I seen you do a, a skit on uh you know uh, Jameis Winston at one time, and it it was during the time of the injury uh, that took place. I mean, we know how he got injured. Uh, he was scrambling. Uh, he ended up uh, getting a horse collar tackle by Devin White, resident scumbag, in my opinion. Uh, what what are your thoughts on uh, Devin White coming out after the game? Now, Jameis Winston uh, earlier in the week. They asked him about Darren White, and he said, you know, he ain't got any animosity towards him. You know, it's just football. He was just being a competitor, big up them and everything. And then you have Devin White basically throwing his man under the bus. So what are your thoughts about Devin White, his his opinion, I mean, his opinions after the game and him as an overall player? I'll group Devin White and Leonard Fournette together because I actually told my brother, it's funny how, like, we have Jarvis Landry and um, Tyron Matthew, two LSU products, two local high school products, and, you know, how happy we are to have them and how great they feel to be at home. Mm-hmm. And then on the other spectrum, you got Leonard Fournette and Devin White, who seem to marvel at being the bad guys, right? Like, it seems like they're taking pride in coming back to their home and, like, talking crap and agitating Saints fans and being mm-hmm. trolls or whatnot. I kind of respect it, TJ. I kind mm-hmm. of respect it. Like, they don't need to be buddy-buddy with us or, like, be like, oh, well, because I'm from Louisiana, we're at a shoot um, – LSU alumnus that I got to be, you know, like politically correct. Those are the type of things I like in football. So I'm going to be honest, Devin White's comments did not bother me too much. I took it more as just, you know, rival trash talk. Now, if Devin White truly feels this way about Jameis or if he's like continuously, even after this week is over, like taking shots at Jameis or whatever, then that's Mm -hmm. when we have a problem because, you know, You know, there's a difference between like leaving it on the field, being competitive, being, you know, uh, I don't want to say the word rival, but being a divisional foe and, you know, just trying to have that mentality. Actually, look, we cheer for when um, Chauncey Garner Johnson was on the team. So I'm not going to be a hypocrite and be like, oh, man, when an opposing team talks trash to one of our players, uh, mm-hmm. it even takes a few what some might call a cheap shot or whatever. Right. But I just don't want it to, you know, I, I would hope Devin White is a better person that. He doesn't carry out that, you know, now that the game is over, move on. You don't have to be taking shots at James or whatnot. I admire that that video that I believe you even reposted it where Chris Godwin kind of called um, Devin White out on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, that made me gain a lot of respect for Devin White. I think Devin White is a great player. I think when he plays to his potential, he is arguably the best um, inside linebacker in the NFL. I agree. Uh, Pete Warner might be coming for a spot. <laughs> but, um, but the comment – I'll be honest, I kind of like that, you know, hostility in football. It's, to me, it's all football. So it's right. entertainment. So if, leave it football, leave it in a uh, trash talk, you know, on the field, and I'm okay with it. When you take yeah. it off the field, when you're taking, like, cheap shots at somebody personally, or if he wants to make a shot at Jameis for the injury, well, then no, that's a whole other issue that I would have a problem with. 
But as far as that comment, personally for me, I like it because then it makes the game in December even more, you know, hostile, which is football, mm-hmm. what I want. And as a content creator, maybe, you know, TJ, I'm a little biased. I don't know if you are too. Like sometimes now I look at things from a content creator spectrum and not a fan perspective. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, it's going to give me some good content. To <laughs> 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 like, oh, now I can like do a skit or whatever. And I know things are going to eat it up and Bucks fans are going to get on my foot about it because, you know, they're giving me something to work with. So yeah. I'm a little biased with my answer with that. But I do understand <laughs> if some fans like took that comment in a negative way and are ready to like, you know, um, run through a wall for Jameis and hope that, uh, Kamara or Ingram run through Devin White next time we play them, and hopefully Ingram doesn't fumble when he does. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, and John, that's kind of the topic of the, of the show as well. You know, Mark Ingram fumbling the football. Um, two weeks in a row, man. Two weeks in a row. Uh, the Saints' all-time leader in Russia is basically, you know what I'm saying, put the ball on the ground. Um, is, is this a concern, in your opinion? Is this a concern, Mark Ingram fumbling the, these past uh, two weeks? It's definitely a concern. Once is uh, uh, what's a mistake or whatever. Second time it becomes a pattern. The mm-hmm. first one against Atlanta, I actually was not too mad at because that was a broken down play and Mark was just trying to kind of make a play. Mm-hmm. I hit from behind. It was a great play by the Falcons defender, to be honest. Which is that one I was like, and at that point the game was just going all the way sideways. So I was like, whatever. He was trying to make a play. It, it didn't happen. It was less. Uh, it was also easier to take because we wound up winning the game. So it's like, all right, whatever, you know. When you get your butt whipped at that point in the game anyway, you don't look at turnovers as if like, oh, boy, right. you know, that was so a game changer. Like, we was already getting our butts whipped at right. that point to the game anyway that it was like, I just was happy that he was trying to make a play. Mm-hmm. Sunday just gave me Jared Cook flashbacks. Like, once again, the game, I believe it was out of time that we were still up by three. But, you know, we're, we're, we're marching down the field. We're about to take a commanding lead. Uh-huh. We had all the momentum in the world. We were, that was literally a run that was going to get us in the red, uh, the red zone with, like, 10 yards or less short from the goal line. Mm-hmm. And when he fumbled, it just, like, he just failed the, the energy in the dome switch, the energy at the team switch. And it was just a mistake that we can't have happen, especially to that team. Like, we've learned yeah. already the hard way right. in the playoffs. Like, you know, Tampa has a great defense, and Tom Brady will take advantage of those type of turnovers. So, right. yeah, I mean, twice it, it, it is a concern. Honestly, Ingram shouldn't be getting this many carries at this point of his career anyway. Like, we bought him to be maybe a 5-10 to 10 play um, running back for us to spell Kamara. Obviously, Kamara was hurt. I would honestly – I've seen – a decent amount from Tony and um, Dwayne Washington that I would kind of let them be the the bell cows of the offense if Kamara is out again this weekend, which I would hope that he's not. He seemed like he was real close to playing this week, but they wanted to mm-hmm. be safe. Sorry, which I'm okay with. You know, it's a long right. season. We don't really have to risk him um, right. for a week two win. But I just also think I love Mark, but he's at the age now where he shouldn't be toting the rock that much, especially because I do think just age has a – issue to do it you know like he can't grab the ball or, you know be that power bruiser the way he used to be when he was in his prime man not to yeah. install him he's he's just not in his prime no more so it's probably a little easier for uh these defenders to get the ball out of his hands knowing that you know he has a little wear and tear on his body yeah i still trust him though tj do you like i still trust mark he's a veteran i think he's gonna man, get it together i love mark ingram and here's the thing what people don't pay attention to i, I think that this is like kind of unconventional Anytime Mark Ingram fumbled the football, like one week, he come back out there and he go for over 100 yards. Because I can remember, like, I, I, I can't – I think it was maybe the – they played the Denver Broncos. I think it was that same game. I think it was Will Lutz rookie year when they ran back that, that kick, you know, from that uh, from yeah. that uh, field goal. Mm-hmm. And he fumbled. He fumbled the football. 
And I remember the next week he went up against the, the 49ers and he had that 70-plus yard run. Yeah, and he went for yeah. over 100 yards. So yeah. he he takes it upon himself, like, when he fumbles to kind of, you know, make up for it. It's just the fact I just haven't seen his uh, two weeks in a row. But, man, I trust Mark Ingram. I mean, he was, he was told in the mail. 10 carries for game. 60 yards? Yeah. He was having a good game. It was actually yeah. the, the best running performance we've done on the Bucks. Mm-hmm. Even with all the times we swept them, like we've usually swept them because of great quarterback play or great defense play. Like this game, mm-hmm. I was ready to, when I thought we were still going to win, I was like, wow, it was the run game for a change that was yeah. the reason why we won this game. Yeah. Um, and, that, and that unfortunately let me that fumble. You can't hide from it. Like it just nah. kind of puts a, a black mark on the whole performance of the offensive line and the running game because yeah. those two components were doing really, really well up until that point. And then after that, I believe the fight happened after that. And then mm-hmm. Jameis started pressing, and then, you know, it just went it went sideways. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I'm not going to knock you know, Mark Ingram because I can remember Mark Ingram, I think, dragging Levante David into the end zone. Like, I'm not going to do that, man. I think Mark Ingram still has something left in the tank, and I'm not just going to beat a guy down just because, you know, he had a bad game. Uh, But my last question for you, John, before I let you go, is about these referees, man. Uh, The referee, man, throwing these flags and – and at these times of the game where it's nip and tuck, what the hell is going on, man? That make you want to take a drink. Make you have to take a sweet. Must be good. That boy's thing. All right. So I'll say this. To preface this, we did not lose that game. Because of the referees. Uh-huh. They're not. Yeah, they're, they're not. Yeah, they had yeah. some bad calls on, like some of the personal foul calls against Tampa. I was like, ooh, that's mm-hmm. not that great of a call, but I don't mind mm-hmm. when it benefits us because honestly, after 2018, we deserve like 100 good calls to make up for that BS that happened in the NFC Championship game. Mm-hmm. But what, what angers me about the referees is yeah. the lack of um, consistency from crew to crew as far as what's personal fouls, what's past interference, and what's not. And the lack of accountability. This is probably going to go far off from what the actual question you asked for, but it just amazes me that Bill Vinovich, and I know it was technically wasn't his (laughs) responsibility to call that personal, I mean, passing interference in a championship game, but he was the leader of the crew, so he's the face of that, you know, officiating blunder. Right. And he had one of, not even one of, it was D word. I mean, it literally robbed a team of a Super Bowl appearance. Mm -hmm. And how did the NFL respond? They give him the. They let him do the Super Bowl next year. Like, <laughs> I don't give a damn if he graded hundred out of one hundred for all sixteen games that season. Show some accountability. Like these referees are never going to feel like they have to be better. And and I get human error, right? Like we're all human. Like I, mm-hmm. I'm expecting human error from referees. I'm not expecting perfection from them. But I want accountability from the NFL to hold these referees to a higher standard because these are literally game changing. You know, season changer. Like, what if we miss the playoffs by one game? Because that's right. referee called that stupid personal foul on uh, Marcus May that gave Tom Brady another set of downs. They wind up scoring a touchdown on that. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, like, let's have some accountability. It's it, it's a serious problem. Sometimes I wonder, is it crooked? Like, I watched the Tim Donahue special mm. about the NBA. And I'm like, me too. I, I just couldn't help but keep thinking, like. There's just too much factors that play, especially with gambling being legal now. For like, there yep. to be some may not may not be a huge conspiracy, but some you know some little sprinkles of you know bias, especially because 
Champagne was not the biggest fan favorite to the league office and the referees. Mm-hmm. Like, he, I, you know, I'm sure you heard the report too. Like after the 2018 championship game, he called Al Riveron, who was the head of officiating at the time, and they say mm-hmm. like he laid into him hard. Like, mm-hmm. like a uh, 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 father, Adrian Peterson on his son type hard time. Like, <laughs> and so, of course, the next year they introduced the pass interference challenge rule, and of course, Al Riveron and his crew in New York were the ones who got to review everyone. And of course, like the success rate of it was like 12% because Al Riveron will always say, nah, that's not passing interference. So ironically, the one time he did make it a successful challenge was when Carolina challenged to pass interference on us. And I'm like, how does human bias not come into play with stuff like that? Like if somebody chewed you out, TJ, like F you, you suck at your job, you a horrible podcaster, would you not have some type of bias against that person whenever you had to host one of their shows or something like so, like, I do think that there was some bias against the Saints. I was hoping when Sean Payne retired that, you know, maybe we would get a clean slate. And the referees mm-hmm. would be like, all right, you know, we don't got to, you know, be a little biased towards Sean Payne or the Saints anymore because this is a new, quote-unquote new. I mean, I know it's still a lot of the same old faces, but it's a new regime or whatever. But right. I think it's just human error mixed with incompetency, also mixed with the fact that the NFL does not hold the referees accountable. I also think the NFL kind of likes it, TJ. Like, I think Roger Goodell, like, yeah, fans complaining about referees. It gives NFL engagement. It gets a talk show, something to talk about the next day. Like, they don't care. So they're like, why would we want to make the referees better at their job when it does nothing to the bottom line of our product? So I don't see it ever, ever getting fixed or cured or whatever you want to say. It's just a thing of, and it's easier said than done, but you've got to try to put the game away as efficiently as possible so you don't let the referees even have a chance to throw their nose into deciding the outcome of the game screw the referees that's what i'm trying to say yeah screw man the referees i'm watching my language i think this is a family <laughs> yeah look I, I just think that like you said there's zero accountability like the fact that you even know who uh vinovich is 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 a shock to me like after the games like we we only refer to them as the referees I was at the Atlanta Falcon game. I was at the Atlanta Falcon game, Jono, week one. And at the beginning of the game, they had the referees and officials that were, like, calling the game. Like, inside the stadium, we saw that. But if you're sitting at home, you don't know who's officiating these games. And I just feel like I said this before. I think that the same way they be doing player introductions, they need to do the same thing for these referees. Now, Now, I'm not saying, like, you know, like how they be introducing themselves. I ain't talking about you be like Tim Tate, you know, line judge, university, like, like nothing like that. But you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to give me a skit idea. I'm just being serious, but we need to have like some level of transparency, man, because just think about this. Okay. Jameis Winston throws the ball down the field to Chris Olave. Big, big time bomb. He catches the ball. He fumbles. After that game, Somebody can be ticked off to a point they can find Chris Olave's Instagram, his Twitter, and yeah. talk about how he, he suffered from fumbleitis and talk about you trash and a waste of a first round pick and stuff. But if a referee makes a bad call that determines a, a team's fate, like they can leave the game, we can walk past them in the street and we probably wouldn't even know. And we can be talking about them. That, that's that's why I feel we need some transparency. When it comes to these these referees, man, because we don't know who the hell they are. 
Uh, like who are they? Like, <laughs> you might be setting these referees up for a hit job if you want that much transfer. I mean, hey. Bill Benovich walking in the French Quarter after that 2019 NFC Championship game, I would have feared for his safety. What I would say in transparency is what I want is I don't. I'm tired of these. You know, and I get. I appreciate the effort. You know, they do the pool reports. Like when mm-hmm. they, like, I don't. I, I want like I honestly feel like referee or the head referee should have like a press conference after the games. And the NFL should make public, you know, like their their grading system of what right. the referees did, what they did right, what they did wrong. Um, and then, like, you know, I don't want to say fine referee if they um, – if it was a major gap, then, yeah, I do think they should be fine. But right. it's got to be some type of repercussion, right? And not a repercussion as in, oh, Bill Vinovich, slap on the wrist, go enjoy referee in the Super Bowl the next year. But, like, something right. to make referees – want to do better at their job. I saw somebody suggest, and this has been a suggestion for a long time, mm-hmm. why not just make the referees full-time? Like, these are part-time employees. Bill yeah, Vinovich is like a lawyer, you know, on the side or whatever. So he can't yeah. dedicate all of his time to watching game, game film to see, like, what calls he might have missed or what can he do better at or whatever, studying the rule. Mm-hmm. The NFL is a billion-dollar corporation. Have full-time referees. Why? <laughs> like, what's the, what am I missing from that, that these referees cannot be full-time? I feel like it would improve the product. And the only answer I have is that I generally think that the NFL likes the referee incompetent. Like, they, they feel like that that is a good thing to have in the game. It's the human error of referees. Yeah. I, so. I think, I think too, like you mentioned that Tim Donahue documentary, like the way he was calling games and stuff like that. How he, you know, he'll call a foul here, a foul there. He even talked about, like, you know, if a, a referee has personal animosity towards a, a, a coach or a player, you know, like, it, it will affect the game. And right? also a level of favoritism, too. I don't care what anybody says. When human it comes to Tom Brady. Human bias is real. You can't tell man. me that these referees didn't have a gap, a grudge against Sean Payne after 2019. Like, man. God forbid Sean Payne be mad that. You just call this team a Super Bowl appearance. Like it's not like Super Bowl appearance is growing trees or anything. Yeah, exactly. But, like, but the human bias kicks it in. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm not gonna call this little ticky tack. Oh, I'm not gonna call this obvious infraction on the opposing team because screw Sean Payne, right? Like, yeah. and, and I'm not saying it's like the whole game, but like I'm sure if we have like two or three plays a game where they're like, man, you know, I'm gonna let that slide because I don't really, I'm mm-hmm. not a big fan of the, you know, the coach on the sideline or how these players been talking or whatever to me. Right. So, and, and I, and I kind of even am okay with that. But there's yeah. got to be accountability to, to to it. Like, if the referees want to have some human bias, it's whatever. You're never going to find a 100% perfect human being that can call games down the line, down the middle or whatever. But right. have accountability when referees do possibly make mistakes, whether it be purposefully or even just mistakenly, and hold them accountable. Don't yeah. get me started. All right, TJ. It's at the end of the interview. You got me all riled up now. <laughs> hey, uh, man, I'm sorry. Hey, I'm sorry, man. But that, that's a conversation, John, that – a lot of you know Saints fans, you know, want to have. And like I said, I'm looking at the the comments in the chat right now. <laughs> now I'm thinking about first. I'm thinking about Mike Evans. Now I'm thinking hey. about Freeze, man. Hey, I, hey, I got uh, one of my uh, guys. Uh, he been man watching and and supporting this show from the beginning. Uh, Jerry, he in the chat right now. Jerry this, OG, I love Jerry. Yeah, Jerry the OG, man. Jerry. <laughs> hey, you start talking about the referees, boy. Hey man, you about to get yourself like a a, a five minute <laughs> dialogue about how much he hates those referees, man. But yeah, TJ, look, my TJ. my biggest issue is the last part of the game. Like you'll see the referees, they're they're no, they won't throw any flags throughout the game, maybe one or two, and then towards the end they just go flag happy, kind of like with the Falcon game. I'm like, they were really they weren't throwing any flags, and all of a sudden, like the last two minutes. 
flag here, flag there, flag they were everywhere. Really trying to, you know, you know, go for the Wild Wings commercials where they like keep the game close, keep the drama up. I, just, I feel like that's what they right. were saying. Like, like, goddamn, nothing's saying point already. You know, you mentioned Jerry, uh, TJ. Mm-hmm. I have to sidetrack to the comments here and there while we discuss this interview. And I see, I believe this is a Bucks fan you have trolling you in the comments and talking trash. And the great thing about this is that obviously me nor you gave this guy any attention because <laughs> it could be 100 straight matchups of fights. The Bucks will never be our rivals, and the Bucks fans need to get that through their head. They can yeah. enjoy their little moment of being great right now or being, you know, a media darling type team that gets attention mm-hmm. because Tom Brady is there. But I yeah. promise you guys. Same way with the Panthers. Soon as Cam Newton fell off a cliff, they went back to being irrelevant. Like, I don't even know if I'm going to do a video this week, TJ, about the Panthers, because what, what what can I make fun of them about? Like, their fans don't even care. It's going to be <laughs> when Brady retires, they're going to go back to being irrelevant. And as much as their fans want to make this a rival, we do not care about y'all. You guys are like mosquitoes. Like, you get in our face, and yeah, we're going to acknowledge it. We're going to try to, you know, bat you away. But you guys will, and this is the only compliment I will ever get to the Atlanta Falcons. You guys will never be on the Atlanta Falcons level of being a rival to us. For real. Get that through your head. Get that through yeah. your head. Yeah, they, I, I don't even honestly. I, who who are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers rivals? Like seriously, like who are they rivals? I mean, them and the Panthers should be trying to you know spark something. Do they yeah. all a little bit on the side? We got a uh, you know our, our main chick is the is the Falcons, and we've been giving our side chick, which is the Bucks, more attention lately. You know, but Man. don't get it twisted. The main chick is always going to be the main chick. Man, I would I would make an argument that the Cowboys, you know what I'm saying? We big like we hate the Cowboys more. Yeah, that's you know, because of the geographic. Yeah, know, I'm like we have more teams that in the past, well, since Brady came, I'll get the Bucks this. Like, yeah, you guys have our attention now because you got the greatest of all time quarterback, arguably, fell into your laps because you know Drew Brees came back. So because I, I always joke, uh Tom Brady was choosing us before he chose um Tampa. Sure, I think he was trying yeah. to go to uh, Miami and the Chargers too before mm-hmm. you know he had to go to Plan D, which was the Bucks. And more time, we were on Drew Brees' first choice. Right. Like sometimes your first choice is not the best choice. It worked out for time, but mm-hmm. once yeah. again, once Brady retires, they're going to go back to being irrelevant. And they had this hostility towards us, and I'm still trying to figure out like <laughs> the past two years. I get like we've given them the attention that they desire, and we talk smack back to them. But before that, like the bus was just another team on the schedule, right? Right. So I'm like, where does this hostility that you guys have from Saints fans come from? Like, where what Saints fans were talking smack to you guys that there was all like every week I see on Twitter, whenever they not even not even when they play us, like even when they're not playing us, help the Saints. And they like they mention us when we don't even have anything to do with what they're doing mm. for that week or their opponent. And I'm like, what because they don't have a leg, that's because they don't have a leg to stand on. Like it's, it's like, basically school kids who have burned accounts with Saints profiles as their pitch, like talk trash to them, and now they just assume that you know the whole Saints fan base gives a damn about them. We don't. Man, we don't. they don't. They don't have a leg to stand on. Like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to me is like the 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 husband who who live with his wife and she just take care of everything. That's that's kind of what it, like he ain't got live. Like he throw you out, you ain't nothing. Like. Nobody cares about you all unless you're basically talking about the Saints. And then you probably can add Tom Brady. So once Tom Brady retires, nobody will care about you. Like I said, here's the reality, John, and I'll let you speak. In the last decade, 10 years, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have won six games versus New Orleans Saints, and the Saints have won 15. Over the last, like since 2018, the Saints have beaten the Tampa Bay Buccaneers seven times, and Tampa has beaten the Saints three. Somebody please tell me 
where is that a rivalry and as far as this whole championship thing that y'all talking about yeah y'all got one more championship than the saints but that still don't make you better like if you tell me back in 2007 the undefeated new england patriot team wasn't better than a giants team <laughs> like you, you this team went completely undefeated but you're going to tell me on one game this isn't a seven game series like we playing basketball so you're telling me in one game that like you that still don't make y'all better y'all the, the tampa bay buccaneers will have to win at least like two or three four you know three two or three years in a row of like consistent domination over the new orleans saints for, for, for it even to be in the conversation the tampa bay buccaneers fans like nobody even was checking for y'all nobody like who are y'all that's the way i look at it like i wouldn't i wouldn't even care about half of them until they like come here like they come find us we don't come for them we, like they I, come for us like i said tj they are the side chick that they they got a makeover right they, they got the tom brady makeover so they look a little more fine than they usually look so we like oh okay our side chick look a little good i'm gonna have to give them a little more attention but the bottom line is you're still the side chick you're not the main chick you never yeah. will be the main chick and once that makeup wears off you're gonna go back to being, you know, and hey, we'll give you attention when we give you attention. So once that right. Tom Brady makeover wears off, they'll be back to being irrelevant. And I saw you even tweeted this earlier today, and I saw you got a retweet from Robert Griffin III. You're not, you know, poking chest out with that, TJ. TJ <laughs> audience reaching out to Robert Griffin III. Go ahead now, TJ. <laughs> yeah, Robert Griffin III. Y'all go and check TJ's Twitter. He had RG3 retweet him saying TJ is right. Because TJ mm -hmm. was saying that RG3 was right about the rivalry, and then RG3 co-signed TJ. TJ, mm -hmm. man, take your chest out, man. Nah, look, man, shouts out to RG3, man. Nah, man, shouts out to RG3. I forgot. Nothing like that, man. I, I appreciate it, though. I didn't expect that, but I was just I was just being real, man. Like, I don't look at it that way. And I seen somebody in the chat, um, they saying that I was upset uh when the bucks beat the saints when they beat them in a playoff look that could have been a packers that could have been a 49ers that could have been a giants like just because it was the bucks don't mean like I, man like i didn't care like I go back and look when they got put out the playoffs against the vikings i felt I, the same i had the same energy tj i tell you what when they actually won the super bowl i mean i never want an nfc south team to win the super bowl but i told my wife I say, if any NFC South team wins the Super Bowl, I'll rather be the Bucs than the Panthers and the Falcons. That's how much. And I'm not saying I wanted the Bucs to win it, but that's how low they are yeah. on the scale of my hatred or bitterness. I was like, yeah, well, you know, if anybody, you know, guns to my head, you said NFC South team has to win the Super Bowl that came to the Saints. I would say it 10 out of 10 times. I'll say, oh, let, let, let the Bucs win it. Who gives a shit, right? Yeah. Like, you know, and that's because I don't, I don't have much passion or emotion towards the Panthers either, but the Cam Newton era when they were like really at their peak, kind of gave me some animosity towards them where right, they, right. they overlap. Well, not even overlap. Like, those two were, like, on even care. Well, it was just like, okay, they are division four. But the Panthers overlapped the Bucks to go to number three on my – number two on my most hated teams of the three NFC South teams. Right. Maybe the Bucks have probably, because their fans are so damn annoying, overlapped the Panthers. What, then, but, what you know, fans? Like, what, what – like, that's why I'm ready to like, what? I'm about to say, what fans? fans? Like, it's always going to be fluctuating <laughs> between the Panthers. Like, if the Panthers ever get back together – they're never going to be like that number two team, but it's always going to be like never where it's on the level of the animosity towards the Falcons. And if you go on my YouTube, I went to the Atlanta game in Atlanta. That, if you watch my vlog, guys, that is a rivalry. Just you yep. skip all the way to the end. Like, you see how Saints fans were celebrating, how, how emotional I got, like, Man. because that is a rival. And I know the Falcons aren't like this 
juggernaut franchise and the Bucks fans always show, oh, ha ha, y'all, y'all want to um, beef with the lowly Felders. Well, you're damn right because that's some history between that. Right? Yep. That's some geographic yeah. distance that, you know, between both cities that it's fun at the end of the day, but like there's some, you know, some, some actual emotion to that rivalry. The yep. person's just like, again, a side chick, like we're giving y'all attention these last two years in this year, but y'all not something that we think about or get a loose sleepover or whatever. So congratulations. Y'all defense played better than our defense in that playoff game. Drew Brees, unfortunately, fell off a cliff in the second half mm-hmm. and they won the game. More power to them. Talk shit about that. You should. I'll be talking shit if I beat Man, yeah. out opponent mm-hmm. in the um, playoffs. More power to y'all that y'all won a Super Bowl in Tom Brady's first year with y'all. Y'all still do not matter to us. And y'all never will. Man. Like you said, TJ, they're going three in a row. More power to y'all. Y'all will never matter to us. I always say, as long as it's not the Falcons, I can see yeah, what I yeah. Man, it's either got to be us or not the Falcons. Those are always my two options every year going to the season. Man, I so never even thought Falcons, about it. Then I'm good. But I, man, never, I, I never, I never, you're not yeah. a rival. <laughs> I never even, I, never, I honestly, the first time I thought about this, them possibly winning the Super Bowl, and I should feel some type of way about it, was Teron Armstead when he tweeted, like when they were playing the Super Bowl, and he was like, Man, come on, can't see y'all can't let them win like this. And I just like, should I be mad about this? Like that, that's the first time like I actually thought about man, Tampa might win a Super Bowl, and I should feel some type of way because they're in our division. That's that's kind of like how I felt. Like I never, like I never had any like type of animosity, no jealousy, no hatred. Like I don't even hate them now. Like I, I will, I live in South Carolina, three hours away from Charlotte. Like you know, I, I look at myself more of a Carolina Panthers fan, I mean, uh, rock, you know what I'm saying? Like, as far as like, if we're in a rivalry, you know what I'm saying? Between the Saints, like, I, I hate them more than I hate the, I put the Bucks like dead last when it comes to like my hatred still to this, this day. Cause I just feel like it's almost sad, like watching the fan base rising from the ashes and they acting like they've been here the whole entire time. It's, it's kind of sad to watch. Like, I, I have respect. For anybody that's going out there turning the rags to riches story, but uh, I feel kind of bad because it's like it, it's it's almost like somebody walking around with tissue on a on, on their shoe or something. You know what I'm saying? Like you're uh, uh, you know what I'm saying? Stank Brett don't know it. You know what I'm saying? Like we we know you even you said like the Bucks fans are kind of like using this clout they have now to to hang their hat on us, and it's like enjoy y'all moment in the sun. Like why are y'all using this as a way to piggyback or like to jump on? Like we don't care. Like. I just don't get like this is the peak of their fandom, probably. Like, arguably, you could say that the Bucks fans will never have a great era again for their livelihood as they have during this Tom Brady era. So, why are y'all like dead set on focusing all y'all attention on, you know, trying to get a rise out of the Saints fans throughout this? Like, you should be just excited that, you know, you guys are having this three year run where you guys are. I'll give respect where respect is due. They're on top team in these yep. past three years. Mm-hmm. Enjoy that. Like, why are you guys so insistent on, oh, we got to get the Saints fans' attention now. We got to show that. Uh, this is for all the years you guys beat us or whatever. Yeah, okay? that's pretty much it. We'll I, we don't care. We never it's, a, it's, a, it's a jealousy thing, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, it really is. The fact, the fact that we love our team. It's bitterness. Like, you yeah. know, we, we beat them. Like you said, you, you get the stats. We beat them a lot. And. I, okay, I kind of understand then. Like, they got mad that we always beat them. But to us, it was just, oh, that's another team that we beat, you know? Man, so they, pretty much. The Patriots were doing their great run with Tom Brady. The Jets, like, they don't hate the Jets fans, the Patriots fans. That was just another team that they always beat. 
So I'm sure if the Jets ever rise to prominence and Bill Belichick is still the coach, Jets fans are probably going to be like Bucks fans and be like, ah, you see what we, you see Patriots fans? And the Patriots fans are probably going to be like, okay, <laughs> like, yeah, yep. they don't take y'all serious. So if the Bucks fans will understand that, they could probably enjoy this great run that they're on a lot more than they actually seem to be enjoying. Yeah. They didn't even enjoy their win Sunday. Like they're, they're like, they're so emotional about trying to just get a rise out of Saints fans. And then they were emotional about the Mike Evans thing that I'm like, it's enjoy it guys. Like, these, these these type of runs, TJ, don't come often, right? We had Drew Brees nah, years, yeah. and we we still went through like some spells where it was yeah. some down and uh, down in the dumps type days. So I'm a type of fan, like whenever my team is good, man, I enjoy every single win. I just enjoy you know the moment. I'm not like, oh, we're good. Let me go troll the Falcons fans, and I hate the Falcons. I'm enjoying what my team is doing. I'm not worried about yeah. what other team fan base get, cares about me or not. Man. I, I went in on that Falcon fan because I was actually on that Falcon podcast, and oh, they were just talking. They were just talking. They were just talking mad greasy. I, I didn't. I didn't. Video you posted after, like the to show the receipts. That was I love shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> but and you know, the only reason why we were talk we're talking about you know Tampa now, like imagine this, right? So we got this guy in the chat. He's like, "Why y'all? Then why y'all talking about us? It's because you're in the chat." So obviously you keep on like you keep coming over and over and over again until we actually say something. And then when we say something, man, why why are y'all putting the energy out there? It's, it's almost like if I'm having a conversation about, I don't know about a car, you bring you bring up the car, and then I start telling you, well, you know what I'm saying? You might want to wash the car, put the arm roll on top. Man, why are you still talking about the car, man? Because you brought it up. They were, they were saying, man, come on. I'm like, we, we just played y'all. What the hell do you mean, Of course I'm going to talk about y'all. We're playing you guys right now in the moment. Yeah. And yeah. he said, we're not like, we're not going to be doing Bucks podcast when we're playing freaking Minnesota next week. Like, Bucks fans will still be doing like Saints Center podcasts or videos or whatever when they're playing the Eagles. And I'm like, that is what obsession looks like, guys. Man, of course we're going to talk about the Bucks when we're playing you guys. Yeah. But no, it's, it's not. Yeah, I don't, I don't and, know. And I'll say this. I'll say this. That's like. <laughs> I always say there was reality and then there was like social media, online stuff. Like I, mm-hmm. I, 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 I was at the game Sunday. There was some cool Bucks fans. Like there's always going to be like the reality. Like you know, every fan base, has yeah, fans that you can, you can, you can end fun, talk trash to, but it's good time. Hey man, let me buy you a beer after the mm-hmm. game. Good right. Good health to you guys the rest of the way. Good luck. Hopefully we see you again. Then we'll do this all over again. It's all in fun and entertainment. It's usually that like just the online portion of. The fans that's hiding behind burner accounts or whatever that that's right. the face that are talking all the trash like this guy in your chat right now. And I always on Twitter, I usually give a, a two response limit, TJ, to like burner accounts because I had I kid you not, I had a hundred plus fans from the Bucks fan base like troll me or whatever Sunday. Ninety five percent of them didn't have their profile. You know, it was like a burner account. Jake right. five seven eight twelve eighteen or whatever or. Evans to Brady, 21. Like, you know, like these fake, you know, probably middle school kids who ain't old enough to actually have a real Twitter profile. So they make these stupid stand accounts or whatever. Right. Like, I'm not taking y'all serious in reality. Like, I go outside and I enjoy the real world, right? Mm. So like, I know there's some cool Bucks fans there. So shout out to actually like the real Bucks fans. But, but God, y'all got some annoying people who represent y'all horribly. Yeah. I mean, look, Same with uh, Tampa, I'm going to be real. I'm going to be real. They got some, they got some cats out here that I, I always see. Like, Tampa Supreme. Like he he, you know what I'm saying? He supports the show rather we play in Tampa or not. Bus call game. 
I even say vet. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he's been here quite a few times. You know what I'm saying? When we ain't playing him, so I, I would give you like if you want to have bragging rights for winning, but that's fine. But you're, you're not going to destroy the morale of the Who That Nation, right? And I think that's what they, you know, like this, this is this unconditional love we have for this team, and I just think that when you feel like you got the best of a team, if you're rooting for the team that won, you feel like you should go into every chat and make the the team, you know, feel terrible. The fans feel terrible, but this doesn't, I mean, you still got 15 more games to play. Like even if, you know, like we had to play you all in December and heck, if both teams are successful, which we pretty much think that they are, you know, there's a chance we can see you in the postseason. So, right. right. And again, look, I don't mind trash talk. Like, you know, you said you got some cool Bucks fans that are like Tampa Supreme. Shout out to Tampa. I, I don't mind no, trash talk. I mean, it's all entertainment to me. This is yeah. all entertainment. What I get annoyed at is like these burner accounts that came at me, like they were taking it way too. And I'm like, y'all, I'm one, I'm not losing sleep over any sport. Not anymore. I used to. I, I used to. I ain't gonna lie, teacher. Like, turn them into a content creator and like put in a comedy aspect on sports. It makes mm-hmm. me take these losses a lot less seriously now because i'm like all right this isn't life or death right it's sports like i love winning i hate losing but i'm not gonna lose sleep i'm not gonna let anymore unless it's like a playoff game a saints loss ruin my week or anything right like it's all entertainment to me i got i I gladly accept you know bucks fans or anything that beats us giving me like you know some playful trash talk or whatever that's part of my brand like part of my brand is trolling in a fun way not trolling like to be like negative or trolling to be like that's but like having fun with it, having fun mm-hmm. with the fact that sports is entertainment. That's trash talk. Let's like take some yeah. jabs at each other. Let's just you know make the game even more fun for when Sunday comes. You know we got some you know some some stakes on the line or whatever. Yeah. But but there's levels to it, and some and I don't want to like cloud the whole Bucks fan base because I know that they got some idiot Saints fans on social media too. Man, what? But uh, <laughs> like, there's some that's just like y'all take this way too seriously than what it needs to be, yeah. way too seriously. And all that to say, either way. With all the respect that I just gave to the cool bus fans, you guys still will never be our rival. <laughs> <laughs> so time for game, man. What's the guy name you say? You got bus call game. I mean, yeah, bus call yeah. game been around. Uh, hey, talk y'all shit. Congratulations. Yeah. Can't wait to see y'all in December. Y'all yeah. still will not be our rival. <laughs> I mean, that that that's just what it is, man. But it is, man. John, thank you very much, man, for being a part yeah, of the State of Podcast. Yeah, definitely, man. I appreciate you uh, taking the time out uh, to be here. But, man, before you go, let everybody know how they can get in touch with you. Let them know about your, your content, where they can find it. Uh, the floor is yours, man. All right. If everybody wants to see some unique and funny, and remember the word funny is subjective. It's subjective. Check out my YouTube Everything, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, it's all John O'Bonds. You see the name? Well, no, you don't, because the name isn't shown, but uh, I'll put it in the chat. J-O-N-O-B-A-R-N-E-S. It's, it's mainly Saints content, but it's also like some general comedy I do, too. I'm not trying to be too much into a Saints bubble. Like, I want to use my creativity for other um, general topics, but it's always, at the end of the day, a good time, and it's all entertainment. It's all entertainment. And that's what football, that's what sports in general is supposed to be about. It's just entertainment. So if you want like a different branch of Saints um, content that isn't just analysis or great discussion, like what TJ offers you guys on a week to week basis, um, think of my channel and my social media as like the key and pill slash Saturday Night Live version of what Saints content looks like. Yeah. And make sure that you check it out. You do not want to miss it. Uh, if you do, you'll be doing yourself an injustice, man. John O'Barnes, 
uh, here on the State of Saints podcast, man. Good luck to you and hey, everything hey. that you're doing. And toast to you. Uh, <laughs> I gotta get back to my training because uh, these Mike Evans fights ain't gonna fight themselves. So <laughs> I appreciate you having me on, but I uh, I got some work to do. So I'll see you next time. All right, my man. All right, man. Appreciate you being here. And shout out to you. <laughs> hey, man. Shouts out to John O, man, doing doing this thing. Handling his business, man. Shouts out to the brother. Uh, I'm telling you, man, great content creator, funny stuff. Make sure that y'all uh, check him out <clears throat> and support what he's doing. But, uh, you know, shouts out to everybody in the chat, man. I mean, look, at the end of the day, I'm not here to wave for anybody's feelings or views about their team. And if you're a real true fan, I shouldn't, right? Um, this is their week. You know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, this is their week to talk based stuff and, you know what I'm saying, talk about how, you know, they, they superior to the team. And that's cool because they won. But, uh, you know, I mean, I just feel like when it comes to, like, undying loyalty and un, undying, unwavering love for a team, like, you ain't about to break it over here. Maybe, like, this, this ain't the channel. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I, I mean, I, I, <clears throat> I respond to certain things if it's within respect. Like, if you're talking noise, right? Like, um, if you're saying stuff like I, I was saying, like, along the lines of like rain check, and you know, what I'm saying and like, yeah, man, we we beat y'all this, that, and the third. But when you if you start talking about like stuff that's just mad disrespectful, I'm not gonna give you like the time of day. I, I was watching uh <laughs> the follow up episode of uh, uh the, the Falcon podcast, um, that I was on because I was like. Oh, you know, I was waiting on them, like, try to hit me up or something like that. It just never happened. And I just, I, I'd say that I was very disappointed um, at the fact that when you had Saints fans that were coming into your chat, because they were talking about you was losing, they were blocking Saints fans. Like, that's not the way to do it. That's not the way to do it, because if you're going to talk mad reason, you're going to talk about the exit and O's and how your team is superior and how you won, then you should be able to eat that crow when your team lose. Like, it, that's just the way that it goes. There is going to come a time where you're going to ha have to eat some crow. I don't care if your, your team has been winning for years. I don't care if you own some type of winning streak. There's going to come a time where you're going to have to eat some crow. And some of us need to have that same energy that we have in victory. We need to have in defeat. So as long as it's respectful, I have no problem with that. That's why, you know what I'm saying, I big up a guy like, you know, Tampa Supreme, uh, bus goal game. Bus goal game been, you know, coming, you know, here and, and listening and watching the show for years. Man, I think he was like in the top 50 subscribers I had. You know what I'm saying? And I have no problem with that. You know what I'm saying? I'm not here to try to change anybody's mind. We're gonna talk, we're gonna talk smack, but we're gonna be objective here at the same time and we're gonna show respect. As long as you ain't like out of line, you know, I, I have absolutely no problem with you repping your team strong. You know, the, the problem is like when I'm starting, you know, I see profanity and I start seeing like things that, you know, that hit close to home. Like when people, you know, they'll, they'll hit a low blow talking about Katrina, or, you know what I'm saying? City under the water, swamp and all that kind of, like, I, I can't, I can't roll with that. I, I can't roll with that. So, uh, but besides that, I, I'm fine, but let's go ahead and talk a little bit. Uh, once again, thank you to John O'Bone for being here, but let's go ahead and talk a little bit about Mark Ingram, which was the topic of conversation. Uh, Mark Ingram fumbling issue that has taken place over the last two weeks. Uh, once again, I have these topics based on what I see. 
Okay, I, I, I read the posts of the Houdat Nation and I, I come to you all with these shows. I have absolutely no problem with Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram, to me, is the greatest running back in New Orleans Saints history until Alvin Kamara finishes his career and he'll be the greatest running back in New Orleans Saints history. Now, no disrespect to uh, greats, you know, like Deuce McAllister, uh, no no disrespect to anybody like that, Dalton Hilliards of the world, you know, no, no disrespect to those guys. But when it comes to running the football, when it comes to the highs and lows and the fact that when he came back into the Saints organization, rocking that number 14 and him doing that who that chant and coming back to a loud roaring applause in his first carry, he carried the ball for like 18 yards, right? And everybody, just, the, the roof blew off the place. Mark Ingram is a Saints great. And this guy has 10,000 yards as of right now among all active running backs. He leads the lead. And I know this dude fumbled the football over the last couple of weeks, but I'm not trying to throw this dude away because there have been times where Mark Ingram fumbled the football. Then he comes back and he goes for over 100 yards. And I know that he fumbled at the goal line. And yes, that is crucial. You do not want to cough the ball up and you definitely don't want to cough the ball up in the red zone. But we know that Mark Ingram still had 10 carries for 60 yards, and he had a what a, almost like a six-yard average at the time of the fumble. So that's telling me right there, homeboy was toting the mail. But we all know all of that stuff just gets negated when you fumble the football, especially in crucial times of the game. The Saints were driving. That was a great opportunity for them to take the go-ahead lead over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And by him fumbling the football, it changed the trajectory of the game, and it took the momentum out of the Superdome. I get all that. But people talking about Mark Ingram can't play no more. He trash. You need to go ahead and cut him. Look, I, I don't feel that way. I don't. I don't feel like you need to cut Mark Ingram because there are some good things there. Ball security is key anytime a running back putting the ball on the ground. But for anybody that's just saying, like, you know, man, we need to just roll with Tony Jones over Mark Ingram. Now, Dwayne Washington is a completely different story. Every time Dwayne Washington gets the ball in his hands, he does some really good things. Going back to that 2018 season, be that as it may, the Saints had the one seed and they had things locked down. Yeah, I mean, he still went out there with a makeshift offensive line and ran for over 100 yards against the Carolina Panthers, who basically beat the Saints with a bunch, you know, when the Saints did basically hire some guys off the street to get through the game. It was almost like a, uh, you know what I'm saying, a preseason game in a regular season. But he still was toting that rock. And there's been times where the Saints were really dominating and post their will late in games, and you'll see Dwayne Washington come in, and the Saints just need to get a couple first downs in order to get up out of there. You've seen him run the ball. So I do feel like you might want to take a look at him because even though he is a special guy when it comes to special teams, no pun intended, I still feel like this dude deserves an opportunity. And not to mention – you got Latavius Murray. So if you're talking about a guy who doesn't fumble, you're talking about ball security, it doesn't get any better than Latavius Murray. Latavius Murray, and I know I'm saying his praises, and hopefully that does, that's not you know something that, that would jinx him, but he doesn't fumble the football. He doesn't. And he's a good complimentary back because he's been a complimentary back his entire career throughout the league for the exception of maybe one year out there in Oakland. Even when he got signed by the Minnesota Vikings after he had that magical season with the Raiders, he still you know, took a back seat because the Minnesota Vikings drafted Delvin Cook. 
So they never looked at him as the the you know the main guy. I often say when Latavius Murray was active with the Saints, he is he was always the bridesmaid and never the bride. But he's a good complimentary back. And we all know the Saints have a starting running back in Alvin Kamara. So if Mark Ing- Mark Ingram is capable, if if Alvin Kamara goes down, he's capable of carrying the load. Like I said, the fumble is the only thing that just, you know, takes away from a really good running performance. And it's also, to me, it's key because I mentioned this on social media. The Saints, to me, are a running football team. They have what it takes to be an effective running football team. The Tampa, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defensive line is one of the best in the league. And for the for the Saints to be able to run the ball 5.1 yards a carry on that team that is known for being very, very stout is very impressive. And I think that if P. Carmichael is the offensive coordinator that we believe that he is, they need to be able to pay attention to that and put emphasis on the run. And shouts out to Zach Streif, uh, somebody, you know what I'm saying, that I've had on the show, somebody that I admire and I respect. And it, this came from the it, this came from his mouth. He said offensive linemen like to run block way more than they like to pass protect. He said, you know, when they know it's like it's just a, a huge string of passes, especially when a game is, you know, is you know, is it is close or not, you know, it's close or you know, a game is out of hand, like, and you'll see like them throwing the football all over the place. They looking over to the sidelines, like, man, we need to run the football. So offensive linemen like to do that. And then not to mention, you look at the offensive line, you look across the board. A lot of those guys come from schools that were known for run blocking. You may not like Cesar Ruiz, but he went to Michigan. Michigan is known for their running attack. They ain't throwing the ball all over the field. Ryan Ramchek came, went from went to Wisconsin. I mean, do I need to tell you about some of the great uh, running backs that came out of there? People like Melvin Gordon, Michael Bennett, Ryan Dane. I mean, the list goes on and on. So you know they did a lot of run blocking because Ryan Dane won a Heisman. Michael Bennett, uh, he led the uh, you know NCAA in, in rushing yards. All these different guys, you know what I'm saying? <clears throat> you know what I mean? So they're known for, you know, running and not to mention you know northern iowa you know and trevor Penning when he comes this guy grade really high as a as a run block so i expect for the new orleans saints to put emphasis on the run especially over the next couple of weeks you know as we see possibly trevor Penning coming back but let me read some of your comments but roderick uh thank you very much for the 20 dollars. he says i can't remember the exact year when he had this problem before but after sean payton got on his behind ingram was dog walking defenders Look, I think I think that was, if I'm not mistaken, it was like 2016. <clears throat> yeah, the Saints weren't very good. I think it was Michael Thomas's rookie year. Um, and <clears throat> excuse me. It was um it was Michael Thomas' rookie year. Cause I remember him as as well as Mark Ingram had fumbling issue. I think Michael Thomas may have fumbled like twice in that game. And then you had Mark Ingram who fumbled at a crucial time of the game. And the next week, he just went out there and ran that 70 plus yard touchdown, right? You know, that time when he just yelled out, What's wrong with these N words, man? I know y'all remember that. If you don't believe me, go check it out. It's the big run versus the San Francisco 49ers. You can, I'm pretty sure it's on YouTube somewhere because I think it was the biggest run of his career. So he, he definitely responds uh, when that type of stuff happens. 
that's that's the best thing about Mark Ingram, and I think that's what made him earn the respect of the Who That Nation because it wasn't the love affair that it is now early in Mark Ingram's career. I can remember uh, Mark Ingram first game versus the Green Bay Packers, Saints versus Packers in Lambeau. Uh, you know, it, the Saints needed one yard in order to win the game, and they gave the ball to Mark Ingram. He got stuffed at the line. Green Bay Packers end up winning. The big question was why wasn't Pierre Thomas running the ball? Um, instead of Mark Ingram it took a while for him to come on then he had that big game versus the Detroit Lions when he hit the beanie weenie in the end zone so it wasn't always a love affair and you know what I'm saying I can remember Mark Ingram's career this vivid because I've always been a fan of him now we didn't like him when he was in college because he was going up against LSU but he still was putting foots in them boys even though we don't want to admit it but Mark Ingram has always been a guy that responds he's a he's a team first guy He's willing to do anything that he he needs to do in order to help the team win. And when his number is called, he he responds. So I'm not going to just sit up here and just say, oh, we just need to get rid of Mark Ingram just because, you know, the NFL world tells us when a guy's on the other side of 30, then he's no longer effective. I think that Mark Ingram is a guy who doesn't have the same type of lifespan as some of these other running backs. Mark Ingram was the featured back but only on your on your local program because we know the Saints would have a guy like Mark Ingram running up the middle. They'll have Pierre Thomas running up the middle, catching the ball out the backfield. They'll have a guy like Darren Sproles out there as a, as a, a guy that got a little wiggle you can throw the ball to. So he's always shared the backfield with somebody, where at least sometimes even two people. So even though he's 32 years old, to me, he still has like the running back life of a guy that's like 28 or 29 years old. And, and the fumbles is not something that I'm just looking at and being like, hey, you know what I'm saying? Let's just go ahead and get rid of this dude because he's 32 and they telling us that he old and the 32-year-old running backs are old. So therefore, we just need to get rid of him. So no, I'm I'm not on that bandwagon. I, w- I will not be on that bandwagon. I like Mark Ingram too much as a running back, uh, as, as a human being, as a leader. I got so much respect for this dude, and I'm just not about to just do that. And I, I and I don't know, man. I'm just uh, it, it's not to a point where you know I'm watching the wrestler. Um, if you ever seen that movie with Mickey Rourke, right? And um, there was the final uh, scene where he was actually going up against a, a wrestler, uh, Ernest the Cat Miller. You know, he he played in that movie. Some of you are not wrestling fans; you probably don't know who that is. But he had a heart condition, and he shouldn't have wrestled, right? And they had that that big scene where he got on the top rope, jumped off, and then the screen went black. This isn't one of those cases. I don't, I'm not looking at Mark Ingram like Randy the Ram Robinson. I'm not looking at him that way. I feel like he still has something left in the tank. And I think that uh, he's not the feature back anymore. Alvin Kamara is. But if Alvin Kamara goes down, I still would parade Mark Ingram out there against the Carolina Panthers because that's how much respect I have for this dude. And that's how much confidence I have in this guy bouncing back uh, from two weeks of, uh, you know, putting the ball on the ground. I mean, it happens. And then on top of that, the first game, I mean, I, I got to respect the fact he was even he was trying to make a play. He did a little bit. Uh, he, he tried to do a little bit too much. But just that effort right there just tells me that Mark Ingram is a guy that I, I want on my team. You know, so that, that's the way I feel about it. Let me go ahead and read some of your comments there. It says, TJ, uh, do you have a PS5? No, I have a, a Xbox Series X. I'm an Xbox guy. I, I'm not 
I haven't had a PlayStation I don't know how long. Uh, I like when we back up against the wall like this, brings out the dog in us. Yeah, you know, like, and maybe that's that's what we need. I've, I've heard people say this on several occasions. I wish I, I had some of these tweets up so I can give some of these people shouts out. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, they've been saying this, you know, like, man, let us fly under the radar. You know, let them say that Jameis Winston is a turnover machine. Let them say that the offense is not going to work. Let them say that Tampa is the class of the NFC and the division. Let them say that, you know, where you can kind of just fly under the radar and figure it out. The best thing about this whole thing is that there's there's seven spots in the NFC, okay? You don't have to be one. Heck, you ain't got to be two. Like, it'd be nice. You give you an opportunity. But we've seen the Saints at one. We've seen the Saints at two. And we've seen the Saints at three. And they suffered the same fate, right? They got eliminated from playoff contention. So wherever you go, you know what I'm saying? And honestly, I'm at the, I'm at the point, based on how things been going with, in the Superdome, I'd rather see the Saints play on the road than play at home. Because it just seems like to me over the last couple of years, the Superdome, even though it's been loud and yes, they, they've been extremely supportive, it, it's not as effective when it comes to teams coming in and not feeling like they can get a win because they're going to have to deal with a hostile crowd. So all you got to do is just get in the dance, right? And if you have a, a good enough team, right? If you're playing good defense and um, you, you're doing some things offensively, the only thing about the playoffs at the end of the at the end of the game, at the end of the fourth quarter, at the end of overtime, uh, you just have to have one more point than the, the opponent. Don't have to be sexy. Doesn't have to look the best, but uh, as long as you in that thing. Uh, if so, let's play Madden. Uh, I don't have a, a PS5, but I do have Madden on Xbox. Uh, when Pennant is expected to be back? Well, look, it's it, it's no deter. They, they haven't determined a time where he's going to come back. But, uh, you know, it's not to a point where he's going to they felt like he was going to be out for much longer uh, than he actually is going to end up doing. So I guess it depends on him uh, healing up, of course, rehabbing and getting back on the field because he can't practice and he can't do things while he's healing up from this injury. So there's that. All right. So uh, he has to uh, heal up and then uh, get back uh, on the field. And hopefully, you know, he can be he can be playing around November or December or something like that. Uh, I'm too concerned about Ingram with this fumbling, although in the red zone, that cannot happen. Um, I don't know if you're saying you're not too concerned, Derek, or you, you're saying you're too concerned, but I give you two scenarios. If you are concerned, you're well within your rights because this is two weeks in a row of fumbling. Uh, if you, if you are not concerned, I can understand that too, because Mark Ingram his, historically has responded uh, once he uh, has put in the put the ball on the ground, Derek Book, uh, Brooks, Warren Sapp, Barber, John Lynch, much more. Yeah, I mean, look, Tampa Bay has had a bunch of uh, legendary guys on their team. Don't get me wrong, Hall of Famers all across the board. Uh, the guy that that gets honorable mention, in my opinion, Doug Williams, uh, Vincent Jackson, uh, guy rest his soul. Uh, there's there's some guys out there, Simeon Rice. You know what I mean, There's, there was there was a time where these guys were the class uh, of the NFC South, you know, especially like when the NFC South first started. So I'm not knocking them for that, but I'm just looking at it for, you know, for the past decade. Right. If we talking about the 2000 knots, which is 2000 to 2010, then I think you got to give the Buccaneers, you know, the advantage, you know, until like maybe late 2000s where the Saints just 
start to get much better because of Sean Payton and Drew Brees. But when you're talking about the 2010s to like 2020s and on back, you, you, you have to give the respect to the Carolina Panthers and the New Orleans Saints. To me, they, they, they've been the two teams in the NFC South that have been the most dominant. And the Falcons kind of had a little sprinkle every now and then. I'm not going to completely poo-poo them, but they, they've been in that thing too. They won the division a couple of times as well. Uh, but, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it, it was a rough outing. But this is, you know, 2020 on back. You're right. We're, we're on the road to 2030. So Tampa Bay Buccaneers can possibly, you know, be that team that can kind of flip things. Maybe one of those other teams will fall back and, you know, we'll be having a conversation in the year 2030 about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers bouncing back. But they they have produced some legends. I, I will give them that. The Saints uh, recently, over the past 15 or 20 years, that's when you're going to start seeing uh, guys that belong to the team where you're starting to see hit legendary status. But that that those guys that you brought up, Buck Skull game, those guys were the cornerstones of your team. Uh, I was telling my boy the same thing, TJ. We played better on the road. Yeah, I'd rather see the same roll out on the road than, you know, play at home at times. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just a, you know, a team thing. They feel like they got to rally around each other. Maybe the communication is much better because you can actually, you know what I'm saying, you actually have to communicate. You know, I, I don't know. The Olave fumble was crushing too. Big mistake at crucial time. Plenty of blame, but we going to get better. Well, look, Chris Olave passed down the field. That was kind of like desperation time, garbage time, if you will. Um, it, it would have made the game a little bit more interesting, but it wasn't going to get the it wasn't going to give the Saints the lead, right? It, it wasn't going to it wasn't going to give the Saints a go ahead score if they drove. You know, um, to me, you have to look at the pick six. You got to look at the fumble by Mark Ingram, right? You know, like you got to look at those things. But yeah, the fumble didn't didn't help because maybe you know you could have did some things, maybe made a stop, got the ball back, and maybe produce like late game heroics like you get did against Atlanta. But me, quite personally, man, I'm at a point where I would like to see the New Orleans Saints go out there, and I know the game is over, or you know they they got a lead going into the third quarter that I feel comfortable with, and the defense can kind of just do their thing, and they can just get up out of there with a win. Because to me, I just feel like this team is way too talented offensively and defensively to put this much pressure on themselves the way that they have been over the last couple of weeks. Because here's the reality. You know, to me, I don't know what's wrong with this team. Seriously. Like, if we're like, I'm not going to be a hypocrite about this because all I heard from emails, from DMs, from comments, man. We ain't really got nothing. We, we ain't lacking nothing on this team. This team has offensive weapons. They got defensive weapons. And if you can't make the postseason or you can't win more games than you lose with a team like this, I don't know what's wrong with you. I don't know. I, honestly, you got, you got to start looking at, at the personnel. You got to start looking at certain things. Now, this is week two. So we got to go way down the line for us to have this type of conversation. but. I, I as a as a looking at this team, this team should be up there like putting up points like the Buffalo Bills did against the Tennessee Titans. Seriously, that like they should be like on that level because of all the talent that they have on this football team from the running game, from 
Jameis Winston's uh, passing ability, from Chris Olave ability, Deontay Hardy ability to stretch the field, uh, Michael Thomas back at a at a high elite level. Jarvis Landry doesn't drop passes. Like if you're looking at this offense, and it, they should be in that same category. So it, it's kind of it's kind of head scratching at times, you know that they have all that talent, and you know that they're not being able to produce now. There, there has been some conversations about, you know, guys not playing in preseason and that, you know, chemistry is playing a, a huge role, not getting some real time snaps, you know, not get having those guys go out there to try to, you know, put it all together. You know, maybe that has something to do with it. And maybe they kind of behind the eight ball. And as the weeks progress, you'll start to see the chemistry there. But, you know, you can't force the issue. You can't make it happen. You know, it's almost like, uh, the last dance, right? It was the all the All Star game, and the cameras were following Michael Jordan, and they had that uh, episode where they were focusing on the late great Kobe Bryant, and I think Kobe was like maybe like eighteen or nineteen at the time, and they were talking about him, laughing, talking about you know this this man put up about thirty forty shots, and he was like he he missed the whole rim. He said and Michael Jordan just jokingly said, and he said I'm gonna make my happen. You know he's gonna make this thing happen. You you can't make it happen, right? You you can't make the game come to you. You gotta you gotta take it for what it is and allow yourself to like grow as the weeks go by. But you can't shoot yourself in the foot either, turning the ball over, you know, in crucial times of the game. TJ, we swept them uh that year, they won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Pretty much, you know, we just played them a third time and that was just the worst. That was just the worst day to have your worst performance against your division rival. Uh, what you think of Chris Olave and Jameis connection problems? Winston missed him many times when he was wide open, but I like the way that he was running uh, routes. Chris and he was getting separation. Well, look, it, it's about repetition. Um, <laughs> I'm not a <laughs> I'm not a big fan of having repetition in real live games, you know, but. Um, this is one of those games where I just felt like uh, <laughs> I, I mentioned this, so I kind of feel bad. I said that the Saints need to try to take the top off the defense of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And boy, did they try to take the top off the defense against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, it, it's just because of years past. They looked at the film, right? You had Tampa sitting on a lot of routes because they didn't respect the arm strength of legendary quarterback Drew Brees. So I guess Pete Carmichael, Dennis Allen looked at that footage and was like, look, look how you're sitting on these routes. We need to keep, you know, we need to stretch these guys out. So we're going to keep on using uh, Chris and we're going to try to get the ball down the field. So maybe that was the game plan. But you got to be able to take what the defense gives you. You got to allow the game to come to you. So there's nothing wrong with going out there with a five-yard pass, with a a seven-yard pass, with a three-yard pass. Like as long as you're moving the ball, as long as you stay ahead of the sticks, you should be okay. Jari Evans on the 2023 Hall of Fame nominee list. Well-deserved if he, if, if that's the case. If he's on that list, well-deserved. Everybody know how much respect uh, you know, I got for Jari Evans. Jari Evans has uh, been on the State of the Saints podcast uh, and has uh, always been really kind to me and, you know what I'm saying, always show love and, you know what I'm saying? Always had a kind word or two. So shouts out to Jari Evans, one of the best offensive linemen the Saints ever had. So 
guy's a legend uh we are slow start team it's been like that for years we wake up either week three or four well you better wake up because this is another division game uh i'm gonna tell you what's wrong winston <laughs> all right man we, look this this save that take i think you need to save that take for a couple of weeks man let's let's see how this thing works let's see let's see if you know saying the saints can kind of put this thing together and figure it out this team doesn't have a coach all right, now we're going to start talking about Dennis Allen. Okay, the jury's still out about Dennis Allen. Can he be an effective head coach? Fair enough. But let's let's wait down the line and let's see where we at. Now, I I, I mean, I, I'd rather have this conversation down the line. Uh, no cap, no filter. Winston had two bad games as a Saints starter last season, week two versus, uh, I guess, week two versus the Bucs. Uh, Carr, uh, plenty uh, key guys out from injury COVID versus Bucks with four back fractures. I'm not off Winston yet. All other games he played great or good. <clears throat> yeah, it's too early to jump off the bandwagon. If you jumped off the bandwagon, you just never been on it. So <laughs> some people just haven't been on it. If we don't make it, but I'm rooting for the dude. Well, I feel like this, if they don't make it, if they don't make it, they, this pretty much it for like Jameis Winston if they don't make it. I mean, I think we have to be real with ourselves. <clears throat> you have to be real. Um, this dude has had opportunity to be a starting quarterback, first overall pick, and um, I know we we get on uh, Stephen A. Smith a lot about his takes. Some of them are like way out in left field. Uh, but yesterday when he was talking about Jameis Winston, I mean he 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 made some valid points. And so did a uh, playmaker, Michael Irvin, because, you know, he said it. He said, if you put all this talent around a person and they still not able to produce. Then you have to wonder to yourself, will he ever do it? So it's it's a fair conversation to have. I'm just not ready to have that conversation. You know, I'm not ready yet because the, the jury is still out. Uh, there's still opportunities for. For uh, Jameis to you know, correct the mistakes is, is you know, and, and continue to play. Um, I, I want him to succeed. You should want him to succeed because by him succeeding, that means that the team is going to be pretty good. Uh, we could be the Vikings. Yeah, it could be worse. Kirk Cousins and Monday Night Football just don't mix. And I think they put his uh, stats up. I think they say, what, he's 62 and 62 or 60 and 60 or something like that as a starting quarterback. 60 60 and 60 and two or something like that i'm like man you don't get more mediocre than that that's about the most average quarterback in nfl history didn't know uh that b mac jari evans is definitely a hall of famer i would say cam jordan is one too especially uh when he breaks the saints all-time sack record yeah i mean i think he's a hall of famer now based on like the criteria i mean you over 100 sacks so when you get over that 100 over 100 sack club I mean, and if you if the Saints end up going to a Super Bowl, it makes it even more appealing for them to make the, uh, you know, make the Hall of Fame. Or if you know it happens, if he doesn't finish his career with the New Orleans Saints and he goes somewhere else and they win a Super Bowl, it'll make it more appealing. Uh, do you think they miss uh C.J. Gardner Johnson? He was the hype person. Uh, he would have trolled the hell out of Brady. Well, I think in certain aspects, is is talking on the field they probably miss. You know, but as far as his play, um, that remains to be seen. I, I've seen some really good lights out defensive performances. 
And, and it's nothing that I've seen like where I was like, man, CJ Garner Johnson would have did this. Besides the talking, you know, <laughs> he would have been talking. But as far as uh, playing the game, uh, I haven't seen a moment where I was like, man, CJ Garner Johnson would have did this. And I'm glad he's having success in Philly. You know, I think he's a great player. God deserves to get paid. Just didn't work out with the New Orleans Saints. And I wish him all the best. TJ Hurst Saints uh, get some fines this week. Well, I'm not, I haven't heard that yet. But, of course, I've been on here since uh, 2 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. So if, if that has come out, I haven't seen it yet. Brandon uh, says, uh, you can't put Jameis in the same class with Josh Allen. There's your glaring difference uh no i'm not new i'm not putting them in the comments i'm not putting them in the same category as a as a josh allen i'm saying i'm talking about from an efficiency standpoint i'm talking about from efficiency based on what buffalo has offensively and what the saints have offensively they should have they they should be putting up points as well that's that's all i'm saying i'm not comparing the quarterbacks i'm not comparing the quarterback josh allen is a a really good quarterback Jameis Winston, you know what I'm saying, is 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 a good quarterback. You know, Josh Allen is playing at an elite level right now. But when it comes to, like, the talent that they have around them, they should be both putting up points. First off, they starting quarterbacks. Both of them have big arms. Both of them, you know what I'm saying, able to make all the throws. So I don't feel bad about that comparison as far as the offensive efficiency. But, yes, there is a difference between Josh Allen and uh, Jameis Winston. You know, as of right now, but the offense to me is as much talent they have. They should be putting up these points. Uh, we coming out the gate playing three teams that know us and hate us and give us all they got. The NFL did that foolishness. Well, <laughs> you can stretch them out. You can stretch them out. You can start them off early. You can start them off late. It's still gonna have the same type of enthusiasm, regardless if you played them in week one or week eleven. It don't matter. If that's your division rival, you're going to have that same energy no matter when you're playing them in the season. Like, you know, you can say, okay, man, you know, around week 11, week 12, they probably going to be missing key players. We're going to be missing key players. You can say that, but they still going to have that same energy no matter who's out there because they hate you. So I don't have a problem with the schedule. You play who's in front of you. Uh, you're going to have to play these guys eventually. So play them now or play them later. Her Lattimore could get fined this week. Um, probably could get fined, but not suspended. I understand that, TJ, but the Bills have chemistry, been together a couple of years. The Saints still need to jail, bro. Uh, the year the Bucks won it, uh, it took those guys a few uh, games to get it done. Yeah, Damien, I mean, that's a good point. And look, I'm not, I'm not saying I, – I want people to understand this. I'm not saying the Saints – need to be the Buffalo Bills. And if I said that, then I apologize because let me clarify. I'm talking about as far as offensive efficiency. I'm talking about the talent that they have on that team. They should be able to put up points just like Buffalo. Now, if you want to get into the X's and O's and the execution and all that kind of stuff there, okay, you got me. But I'm just saying as far as what the talent that the Saints possess, running back position, wide receivers, offensive line, you should be able to put up some points. Like, to be honest, okay, we're all talking about this early, right? It's week three, right? We're going into week three of the NFL season. Now, we all expect for the New Orleans Saints to, I will hope, to be putting up an offensive showcase like the Buffalo Bills has, has done in week two later on down the line, right? 
So to me, I don't feel bad about saying that because I still stand by saying that they have all the pieces in place in order to produce the same type of offensive performances as a Buffalo. Maybe not right now. Okay, you got me on that. And if I'm saying they should be like Buffalo, if that's what you're taking from it, um, as far as like all around, uh, you know, like that's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about from a, I'm talking about, I'm talking about from a talent standpoint. I just want to clarify that. But yes, you know what I'm saying? They, they've been together for a while. So they should, they should have a level of chemistry that the Saints don't have just yet. But I expect for the Saints to have that efficiency and that chemistry down the line. Bucks ain't going to no NFC championship. <laughs> How you feel about the Giants 2-0? Um, I like it. Um, I'm always uh, excited to see teams that go from rags to riches. You know, I'm, I'm always I'm always excited about that uh, because, you know, it's hard to win in this league. That's what they tell me. You know, I don't know. I ain't never been in the league, but they say it's hard to to win in this league. And uh, Brian Dayball, what he's doing uh, out there uh, with the New York Giants, I think the one thing is uh, the, the the players are buying into the system. Uh, another thing is they're utilizing Saquon Barkley. They understand that he's their best offensive weapon and they're leaning on him. Look, I never had a problem with Saquon Barkley. I always thought he was extremely talented. Uh, the injury guys have just been really, really cruel to him throughout his uh his career but he's still a very talented guy and if you put an offensive line around him you put a, a credible defense around him and you get a quarterback that can go out there that actually can make some things happen consistently i think that the new york giants are you know a really good team and it's good to see man because the cowboys been winning this division by fault for i don't know how long you know what i'm saying because it you know they they just was the the best of the terrible you know like all the teams were trash but they were just the best of the terrible. You know, that's the reason why they can win 13 games because they can basically put W's on the, on, you know, on, on the schedule because all these teams was garbage, right? So it's good to see that the New York Giants are rising, rising from the actions because, you know, the NFL wants the New York Giants to be successful. And, you know, I, I like teams that, that try to turn it around. You know, I, I, I like the fact that I seen the Cincinnati Bengals in the Super Bowl. Now they're 0-2 this year. And for my take with that, it's looking like I'm I'm looking like a prophet in that regard. Cause I said I didn't, I don't think they're gonna even make the playoffs. But um that's that's just the way that it goes, right? You you look at some of these teams, they they start off uh bad and and all of a sudden, you know, they, they have a bad season, and then they get a new coach and players start to buy in. And I think that's what's happening in New York. Uh some are reporting Winston's back wasn't good enough to fully get behind his throws, uh, which is reflective of the way that they handled the breeze situation. The back and rib area are crucial parts in the throws. Yeah, uh, Verlin, that's, yeah, it, it is, you know. I mean, you got to be able to, uh, you know, rotate, you know what I'm saying, your core area, which makes, you know what I'm saying, like <laughs> you're still using your back muscles to do that. So, yeah, I mean, you definitely, you need that. but. Uh, the Saints got to be smart about this. You know, I get it. You know, you're trying to stay ahead of the curve, but you don't want to sacrifice this guy's career and possibly losing him down the line trying to win a game in week three. Uh, we're going to have a few players in consideration for the Hall of Fame in the future with the run of talent the Saints drafted over the years. Yeah, that's true. 
Yeah, it is true. Uh, Tier one says, don't be underestimating how much Gardner Johnson got in the people's head. Uh, he had everyone ready to fight, and uh, that throws people off of their game. You can't teach that. Yeah, I mean, it's rather you got it or you don't. Um, you know, and he definitely had it. But I'm, t- I'm, yeah. I mean, as far as just talking on the field, I think, yeah, that's probably missed. But when it comes to defensive efficiency, I don't feel like the Saints are lacking because he's not here. I mean, would he be out there being effective? Yes. But I think they're just as effective defensively when him not being out there. TJ, to be honest, all I know is if Jameis starts versus Carolina and the same thing happens for a third game in a row, then that's either on Jameis, Dennis, or a combination of both. Something has to give in week three. Big Sean, that's a good point. And we all know if that was the case, we all know who the scapegoat going to be. It's going to be Jameis Winston. It's not going to be Dennis Allen, and it's not going to be Pete Carmichael. It's going to be Jameis Winston. So he has to go out there. You know, <laughs> this the sad thing about this is, you know, the, the NFL has a memory like an elephant, right? They, they say the elephant has, a, like, one of the best memories ever. The NFL won't allow people to forget about your transgressions, your low points, no matter how well you play. Joe Burrow throws four interceptions. He's a warrior. He plays hard. He'll bounce back. Matthew Stafford throws interceptions. Oh, he won a Super Bowl, so we know he's going to be able to bounce back. Jameis Winston throws an interception, man. I think his career almost over because the narrative is he throws a lot of uh, interceptions. He's a turnover machine. So the narrative for Jameis Winston, as unfair as it is, that's just the narrative that it is. So the interceptions or the turnovers that he produces are going to be amplified. And it is also going to be, you know, it's also going to affect his bottom line and the way that teams may see him uh, if the Saints don't bring him back and they decide to go in a different direction. It is going to make him look a certain way. So that's why I felt if I know there was a lot of talk about his back, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? I think the warrior in him, you know, he, he he played. But at the same time, he can't look at himself as – he can't look at himself like, he, like you look at some of these other quarterbacks. Oh, I just had a bad game. Because it's not just a quarterback having a bad game. It's Jameis Winston having a bad game, a, a bad game on top of other bad games because that's the narrative. So to me – only flawless like Jameis Winston like some quarterbacks like if they throw three interceptions one week right and then they turn around throw two touchdowns one pick the next week okay you know what I'm saying and they team won you know that'd be fine but Jameis Winston for this he has to string along at least you know I'm saying three or four games where he's having more touchdowns than interceptions or having turnovers in general in order for people to kind of you know, okay, man. You know, he, he, you know, let let's leave him alone. You know, like that. That's what that's what it is. As unfair as it is, that's just the way that it is. Jameis Winston can't afford to, like, being having three touchdowns, three interceptions, two games in to other quarterbacks. That's not bad. But having three in, three touchdowns, three interceptions in your Jameis Winston is the worst thing ever. You know, it, it's I mean, it's unfair. But that's just the way that it rolls. Uh, the narrative on Jameis Winston is shaped to uh, where 
uh, he has to play perfect every game. Anything less, uh, he talks about negatively. Yeah, I mean, he basically has to put on uh, flaw, you know, flawless performances, you know, in order for you know people to kind of leave him alone. Like he he facilitated that four quarter comeback in week one, so you couldn't really talk about him. So it's almost like you know, like a like a hunter in the woods, right? And they sitting in the deer stand, right? And they just waiting on that deer. It's cold out there. It's like nineteen degrees, right? But you know, eventually, you know, like you just put this corn on the ground, so this deer about to come through. And also, you just seen the pictures. You know, you know they got deer in the area. So even though I'm just sitting here and I've been here for about an hour, I know eventually this deer gonna walk past here and I'm gonna get my shot. That's kind of how it is with with Jameis Winston. And I use that example because I know my grandfather would like that example. And I know you're probably watching this right now because <laughs> he goes hunting every season. Uh, so I, I wanted to use that example. But, yeah, seriously, uh, they're, they're going to be waiting and, and they're they're lurking. Right. And and when the time is right, here they come out of the woods and surprise, you know, here I am. And you about to hear this noise. So, yeah, but he has to string along some good games, man. Now, I'm not saying he got to go out there and be perfect and not throw interceptions, but he definitely has to throw more touchdowns than interceptions over the next couple of weeks if he started in order to absolve himself from the three interception performance he did versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Because if he throws interceptions, he throw out there and throw one or two interceptions and he has one touchdown again, they're going to be putting that boy low lights to music, you know, starting the next week. We all know it, 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 it is what it is. Uh, Matt Ryan stunk up the joint this week. And, and crickets for him. I'm going to give Matt Ryan the benefit of the doubt because he is playing in a new offense. Frank Reich, who I I, I do consider as a really good, as a really, really good um, play caller. Uh, it, it does take some time. That's a, like, well, I mean, he is kind of used to like different offense. I, I, I guess I, I mean, yeah. But at the same time, I mean, it's a new team. It's a, it's a new experience. It's new players. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm not going to bash Matt Ryan too bad because I know how hard it is to try to learn a playbook and learn learn chemistry with your new players when you go to a new team. So I, I'll leave him alone this week. But if it, if, if it happens the next week, uh, you know, then maybe we need to start having this conversation. It's not unfair. He made that bid based on his play in, in maturity in Tampa, and it's not too late for him to turn it around and prove people wrong. He's our quarterback, so I'm rooting for him to do so. Yeah, I mean, it is it, that's a fair take. That's a fair take, man. I'm not I'm not mad at that. You know, my 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 uh, thoughts, of course, are opinionated, and I can understand why you feel the way you do, right? You made the bed, you lay in it. You know what I'm saying? You turn the ball over. Here, pick, there, pick, everywhere, pick, pick, right? You you made that narrative. So it's not like, you know, people just did this. Like, you kind of just brought it on yourself. But um, I do feel like, I do feel like you need to give guys opportunity to change the narrative. Like, you can, like, it, it's hard for a guy to change the narrative in today's society because you, you have so many people holding people to things they did back in the gap, Right. If you're looking at this show right now and, you know, like you've been incarcerated, right? And now you get out of jail, you get yourself, you know what I'm saying, together, you're an upstanding citizen and people's like still holding you to like what you did, you know what I'm saying, years back, you're a completely different person. Or 
let's just say, for example, you were hard hit. You know what I'm saying? You were, you were hard headed, stubborn. Let's take me for an example, right? You know what I'm saying? I was stubborn. You know what I'm saying? I was, I, I mean, I, I couldn't take criticism. All these different things. You know, when I was younger, did stupid things. You know, when I was younger, as I'm older at the age of 36, I'm not doing those things anymore. But it's somebody, man, I remember back then you did this, you did that. Like, come somebody constantly reminding you of that. And you're trying to change the narrative. You're trying to change yourself. You're trying to rebuild yourself. But somebody constantly just reminding you, oh, I know you did this, but I remember back then when you did that. Like, come on, man. that That's not, nobody wants that. I, I just want him, I want him to play better. I want him to be better. And, you know, I want him to continue, uh, you know, to keep keep on pushing. And I think he will. I think he will, man. Uh, TJ, do you think Mike Evans going to win his appeal? Uh, do I think Mike Evans is going to win his appeal? Hell no. To the no, no, no. Hell to the no. This man came off the sidelines and blasted a dude. You know, blasted a dude. All right. And you talk about, man, it's Tom Brady. What you want me to do? What we want you to do is stay on the sidelines. Because it's not like he stole off on Tom Brady. The man didn't even the man didn't even connect with Tom Brady or nothing. He just threw his hand in there like, man, get up out. Like, man, get out of my face. And and we all know, like, at the end of the day, if, if Mike Evans is trying to lead this crusade and be like, man, I was a, the ultimate defender of Tom Brady, and Tom Brady's my teammate. He's my quarterback, you know, on some T.O. stuff. You can you can say that if you want to. But what brought you off that sidelines was the fact that for years, this guy has been the thorn in your side. He has been the guy that has been shutting you down. And no matter how many yards you've gotten, no matter how many touchdowns you've gotten, and Mike Evans is a great player. You know what I'm saying? A couple more years, you might be considering him as a Hall of Famer. I mean, he got a championship ring, makes it look even more appealing. But this is the one guy, no matter how much you train, no matter how much route running you do, this guy always seems to have your number. And I think with that, that is the main reason what brought him off the sidelines. Very little to, well, I ain't going to say it didn't have everything, it didn't have anything to do with Tom Brady, but I'm going to say about 95% of what took him off that sideline was the fact of who it was and have an opportunity to do that. So. That just gave him an excuse. So that, that's the way I look at it. Like, it, it was frustration that brought him off the sideline more so than Tom Brady joined with a guy. Okay, uh, because uh, what was that energy like when, when C.D. Deuce got in his face last year? I didn't see you coming off the sideline trying to blast C.D. Deuce. Keeping it real, who that uh, uh, sports podcast says, okay, family, uh, Jameis had a bad day at the office. Some of his turnovers were bad decisions. But as a saint, this was his worst outing. We had a Hall of Famer who had bad games against this team also. Yeah, fair enough. You know, fair enough. Uh, as my brother-in-law is calling me, I'm going to have to hit him up after the show. Uh, but, yeah, you know, but <laughs> we all know keeping it real. Like you can't compare Javis West to the, uh, Drew Brees. <laughs> that ain't happening, man. Look. My dog hit the nail on the head, right? You made your bed and lay in it, and it's hard for you to, you know what I'm saying, because you you created this narrative. Just like 
Drew Brees created the narrative that he is the greatest court, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, the greatest New Orleans Saint of all time. So if Drew Brees has a bad game, you know those are few and far in between. Jameis Winston has a bad game. If you're reluctant, you're probably going to say something about it. So this is a this is a this is a case of guys having skins on the wall. Drew Brees has skins on the wall. So if he has a bad game, it's understandable because he's not going to have too many. Jameis Winston, he has bad games. We've seen this thing before, right? It, as unfair as that may be to some, we have to understand that narratives are created, fair or unfair. And it's hard for us to, like, you know, get away from that, you know? And, and like I mentioned earlier, because there's always going to be somebody like, I remember when, you know? And just like you say, I remember when. You know, if Drew Brees have a bad game, but I remember Drew Brees brought us back when we was down. I remember Drew Brees led us when we didn't have no defense at all. So that's the way I'm looking at it. Narratives are created. And and they sometimes are created to benefit a guy. And they're also uh, created to not benefit a guy. Uh, that's a good point, TJ. And a comparison to a felony uh, trying to turn his life around, I feel that I can relate. <laughs> Well, look, that's just the thing, man. You know, there's always going to be people to remind us of our low points. Always got us, you know, uh, reminds us of embarrassing moments, uh, not so great moments. Um, you know, it, it, it happens. We don't want to hear it. And sometimes, you know, you, you don't want to be reminded of that. I mean, think about this. You wake up every single morning, somebody reminds you, um, like, if, if you did do something that got you in trouble and somebody constantly reminds you of that date right or you know some some other thing that happened right you know a bad marriage that failed you then got married all over again had a kid new life somebody still up there talking about who you used to be married to or who you used to date or, or what you used to look like or you know what i'm saying some of the decisions that you, you used you know you used to make in places you used to go like you weren't you weren't like that either so you know it's unfair you know but he has an opportunity to change the narrative and you change that narrative by winning. You change that narrative by making better decisions. You change that narrative by taking what the defense gives you and not just looking at yourself as being the last action hero. You know, go out there and just play the game. Enjoy the game. Don't don't get too uptight. Uh, don't take it upon yourself, you know, to try to be out there to be the superhero that everybody you feel like everybody needs you to be. There's other heroes around you. They're called your teammates. Bless you. Uh, TJ, when uh, Evans actually did it, uh, they had a camera shot with God was shaking his head when he did it. Don't know if y'all saw that. Yeah, probably shaking his head because, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know why, you know, but I don't care what anybody says. I think that they knew that they would benefit more of Marshawn Lattimore being out that game because what happened after that, they, they went up top to Rashard Perriman and he ended up scoring a touchdown on P.J. Williams, who came in in that coverage, the same coverage Marshawn Lattimore would have been in that spot guarding Perriman on. So don't tell me, like, that wasn't a strategic move. No, T.J., let me say is Laddie has been the boots in his behind. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that's what that, that what took him off that sideline. 90, 95% of him coming off that sideline was about 
Marshawn Lattimore and, and what he's done. The Saints need to get Kaepernick in New Orleans ASAP. Uh, look, I like, you know, Kaepernick ain't got nothing against him. Um, but I think the Saints should be fine. I think the Saints are fine. I don't think the quarterback issue, I think, you know, Jameis Winston, he'll bounce back. I think Andy Dalton is a suitable backup. Uh, as far as Colin Kaepernick is concerned, uh, you know, should should he uh, be back in the league somewhere? I ain't saying as a starter, but as, you know, somewhere in the league, yes. But I will say this, uh, as the league, um, you know, goes on, he gets older. So it's more and more justified of him not being in the league. So now it's like, well, you know, he's 35, he's 36 years old. It ain't happening, man. It ain't happening. Like, I would be shocked if this dude ever get back into the National Football League. It's not happening. And I, I we all know what he, he represents. Anytime you start bringing him up, it gets political. Uh, but I don't think that it's going to happen. And, and if the Saints didn't have a quarterback – you know, then we can have that conversation, but they don't need him. Nah, they they don't they don't need him. Only quarterback that matched up well against Tampa is Josh Allen and Stafford. It's the deep ball. Well, you know, I mean, the Saints, you know, can throw a pretty good deep ball with Jameis Winston. This was bad connections. Uh Jameis is six and three as a starter, 17 total touchdowns, 16 total passing, six interceptions, not sure on fumbles, maybe two loss. Yeah, so you got what about sixteen touchdowns and eight total turnovers. That's pretty good uh touchdown to turnover ratio there. You know. But I don't know, man. You gotta you gotta go out there and you gotta play. They got they gotta step it up. The best way you can change the narrative is going out there playing well. Should Latavius Murray play this week? If Alvin Kamara doesn't, then Yes, he should play. Uh, we good on quarterbacks. We just got to stay healthy. Uh, some of you uh, guys' family are just like the national media. You were waiting for this day. So now you can pound your chest and say, I told you so. I am making no excuses for him, but man, come on. Look, I'm not making excuses for me to uh, keeping it real. Uh, but yes, you know, they are pounding on their chest and they are feeling uh, really confident about themselves but my question is to them and I'm, i said this on other shows what do you benefit in being right like if you if, think about this if you're right then you you know the team is going to fail because if he's not the quarterback that we need him to be the saints are going to fail so anybody just think that oh man andy dalton about to run off the bench and the saints gonna go i don't know they're going to go uh, 16 and one or something like that. Like you wasting your time. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Andy Dalton will give you those moments where you like, man, we should have went to him in the beginning. And then he going to have them days where you like, yeah, I see why they had Jameis out here. That's just the way that it goes. The, the best, the best quarterback on a team is the backup quarterback, especially if there's mixed emotions about the starting quarterback. TJ James deep ball is affected uh, is affected by those ribs. Uh, you mean by his back, I assume, uh, big dog. But yeah, I can understand that. You're right. Pretty sure that it is, especially if you have uh, four fractures in your back. He was uh, working Tom Brady last year with more mobility. Uh, you need it versus them. Josh Allen went 300 passing yards, 100 rush yards, three passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown, still lost. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, look, you got to be able to mix it up. And, yes, he was more effective as a runner uh, last year uh, before he was injured. And I think that that game probably would have possibly been a blowout, you know, the way, he, the way he was playing. Are you more concerned with the three picks or the two fumbles by Ingram or neither? Um, I'm not concerned about the three picks. It happens. If it continues to happen, I'll be concerned. I don't think that it's going to happen because I think the offensive game plan going to kind of switch it up for it not to happen. I mean, he threw the ball 40 times. How many times have we talked about this on the show? This dude don't need to be throwing the ball 40 times. Throw the ball 40 times, that gives the pass, that gives the secondary, you know, the linebacker, the defensive ends, they get them 40 opportunities to get the ball back into the hands of their offense. You don't want that, right? I think 30, 32 times, uh, 25 to 30 times is it, suitable. I just think that they, you need to have a balanced attack. And that's not a knock on Jameis. We know he can make all the throws, but run the football. Run the football, have a balanced attack, and then that sets up something that Jameis does well, which is the play action. When it comes to the play action, Jameis is one of the highest rated play action quarterbacks in the league. So why not utilize this guy's strength and his ability to be able to throw the ball deep? Somebody, somebody please tell me that. I mean, you're making things harder than what they got to be. Have a balanced attack. But, yes, you don't benefit from Jameis Winston, you know, failing. You know, like, if if he fails, the team fails. You know, and um, I'm not – and as far as, like, the three picks that while I'm back on is, uh, you know, I'm not too concerned about that. The two fumbles, I'm not really concerned about that either because, I mean, I think the first game – uh, Mark Ingram may have 10 carries, right? I think, maybe. And he's not the starter. So Alvin Kamara going to carry the ball way more than Mark Ingram will this season. Jameis was throwing the ball all over the place, but the right place. <laughs> <sighs> Let's see. TJ, how how much of Bruce Arias getting in Mike Evans here do you think played a uh, role in his actions? Uh, none. Um. I know people are making a big deal about Bruce Arians being on the sidelines and all that kind of stuff there, but Mike Evans is his own man. You know what I'm saying? Like, so if he's up there, man, what is he doing? You know, if he's saying you should go out there, I mean, it's not like if Mike Evans, who was a star on the team, say, man, I ain't going out there. It's not like, you know what I'm saying? You're going to be like, you go out there, you're going to get cut. Like, if this was, like, I don't know, darting or something like that, you know what I'm saying, a kick return, and you tell him to go out there and blast Marshall Lattimore, baby, his job would be on the line. But Mike Evans is his own man. He's made hand over fist and money, and uh, him going out there when the, you know, when the jeopardize his spot. So Bruce Arians being on the sidelines, to me, I think, honestly, at a competitive advantage probably, you know, because – that's an extra offensive coordinator, a guy being on the field, but I don't know, man. I mean, Bruce Arians, him being on the sidelines with tie bowls over the last couple of years, like it still didn't benefit. It still didn't help, <laughs> you know, because they still lost. So I, I don't look at Bruce Arians as a competitive anything, right? You know what I'm saying? I, I, I don't have a problem with Bruce Arians. I, outside of like him, you know, dealing with the Bucks organization or whatever like that, I know we probably, you know, don't care for the books but as a person like i think he pretty cool he pretty matter of fact you know he, he tell it like it is um i think he overrated as a play caller i think it was more about 
who he was calling play for for versus uh more so than what he actually did as a play caller because when his name come up man he was the quarterback coach for Peyton Manning and Ben Roethlisberger and 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 you know Andrew Luck like it's about all those names right it's almost like a guy who rolls up into the you know what they call that club 54 no studio 54 in New York in the 80s and you roll up in there with Prince or you roll up in there with Michael Jackson or you roll up in there with Madonna like you know that don't make you a star you know what I'm saying that just makes you affiliated of being a part of an entourage I think he's an entourage coach I think that a lot of his jobs and opportunities came at the fact that he associated himself and aligned himself with some of the best quarterbacks in the league. And I don't think that their greatness uh, is indication that he taught them how to be great because the only thing I ever seen when it came to Bruce Arians is what he taught quarterbacks how to do is turn the ball over at an alarming rate. Those those quarterbacks that I mentioned, when he was their quarterback coach and their whisperer, so to speak, uh they turned the ball over more times in their career than any other time so to me once again i think he's the guy who rolled up into the studio 54 with prince in the 80s he just he just a part of an entourage they need to mix in plays with Alave and hardy line up opposite sides of the field you have two burners uh who most cornerbacks can't keep up with and plays on uh james strengths me me personally <laughs> Chris Olave reminds me a lot of Brandon Cooks. That, that's who he reminds me of. Like he he's a Brandon Cooks was a really good route runner. He had blazing speed. He can get the top of the defense. And I mean, but when it comes to like Deontay Hardy, you put the ball in his hands, he gonna make people miss. Because first off, he's a primarily he's a kick return. So he 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 makes most of his plays in tight spaces, right? You know what I'm saying? Trying to return the ball. So if you throw the ball to him on a wide receiver screen or you throw the ball to him, you know what I'm saying, like throwing down the field, he kind of used to like being, you know what I'm saying, fighting to try to get down the field. So I think that that's beneficial. I don't understand it. Like the only reason why I feel like you aren't using him is because, you know, you're trying to build the confidence of Chris Olave. But sometimes, like, you got to look at, man, I got to use all these weapons out here. You know, I got to use all of them. And uh, you can use Deontay Hardy uh, in different ways. And, you know, I think that it would be more beneficial. I think when it came, like, straight line speed, you might have Chris Olave beat Deontay Hardy in a race, even though I don't know. That would be a tough one. But when it comes down to getting the ball in your hands and making people miss, I think that you'll have a better chance with Hardy than you would with Alave. I just think that Alave is fundamentally sound, but I think he rem- he reminds me a lot of Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks was a guy, uh, he can get behind the defense, he can run Chris routes, but he ain't he ain't getting no yards after the catch, right? He, he ain't getting none of that. You know what I'm saying? Like if he gets if he get yards after the catch, it's because he's getting behind the defense. You know, so say a hardy faster uh than Alave easy. I don't know about that. I don't know about that, man. <laughs> I don't know about that one. Uh, it's the play calling, TJ. I agree with that. I agree with that. You had Trevor Simeon. You had Chasem Hill. Uh, you had Jameis, right? Because there was there was a, a time where they were starting off slow. And you still had issues offensively, moving the ball, being able to execute. 
You know, maybe we need to like not looking at these players, start looking at these play callers and what they asking these guys to do. You know, that that's that's the way I feel about it. That Cooks comparison is spot on. TJ never thought about it. I mean, just go back and look at them. You know, both of them are like a really speedy guys, really fundamentally sound. They just, you know, I I I don't. When I look at Chris Olave, I don't see, you know, elusiveness. I don't see him breaking nobody down. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I just see a guy that that has really good hands and like really talented when it comes to running routes. Deontay Hardy to me. If you're trying to get a guy to break open a game, make a play, make a guy miss, that's who I'm going with. Come on, straight line, hardy, faster. I don't know about that. I see, I seen Chris Olave run a four, what he ran like a four two six or a four two two or something like that. Like something crazy like that. That is like that is unbelievably fast. So I don't know, man. I mean, you're probably right. I mean. You're probably right. He might end up beating him in a race, but it, it'll be a pretty close race. I mean, Dalton is not the quarterback who led the Bengals to multiple AFC playoff appearances. So for all you know, uh, for all who are screaming for him, be careful. You might uh, get what you want, and it might not be pretty. Chicago. Well, you know, I mean, once again, the backup quarterback is always the best quarterback on the field, especially like if a, the starting quarterback has a bad game. Uh yeah, four two six. I know it was something like that. Chris Olave four two six, Deontay Hardy uh four four point three or uh, four four. So yeah, you know that dude that dude was fast man. Now I think it was uh I think the forty was uh it was it wasn't documented because he I think he ran another one. It was like a four two nine something like that. So the first one didn't count which that makes absolutely no sense at all, especially with the power of social media. Like you, you expect for me to act as if I didn't see this guy just run a four, two, six, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you think I, you know, you think I, I did, you think I, I didn't see this like, man, it don't count. Like a dude out here just chopping. Then all of a sudden, nah, bro, nah, you got to run it again. It don't count. Like, nah, give me a break. I saw it. It counts to me. But anyway, final thoughts about Mark Ingram, man. Pump your brakes about Mark. Uh, I think he'll be just fine. Uh, Alvin Kamara should be back rather this week or the next week. I think the Saints need to definitely put an emphasis on the running game. And if they're going to do that, then Mark Ingram definitely needs to work on the ball security. But I think he'll bounce back because in years past, he's always proven that after a bad game or a fumble, he always comes back as angry Mark. And we all know that we love ourselves some angry Mark Ingram. But this has been the State of the Saints podcast. Uh, once again, I want to thank John O'Barnes. Uh, Shouts out to John O for stopping by. Y'all make sure that y'all check out all of his content that's available. He's available on YouTube as well. Just search his name, uh, which is John O'Barnes. Also, you can follow him on Twitter uh, as well. And also follow the State of the Saints podcast. I ask that you hit the like button on your way out if you have not already. And also subscribe to the YouTube channel if you have not already. Also, check us out on Facebook facebook.com search the state of the saints podcast and previous episodes are available on itunes spotify iHeartRadio, and we're also a part of anchor fm this show is brought to you by manscape.com use the promo code state of saints you'll save 20 percent off of your purchase and i want to give a special shout out to 
uh, all those individuals that uh that have emailed me i don't know if anybody's seen uh the episode um but uh i'm doing a contest and if you didn't hear about it i'm doing a contest this will be uh given away this week this is the ultimate smooth package courtesy of manscape so somebody's going to win uh that contest and uh it's a very simple question very simple question um who scored the first touchdown for the saints last season all right so email it to me uh state of the saints at gmail.com and don't worry uh if you didn't submit already don't don't worry about it if you didn't submit already because i am not going to select this i'm actually going to get my wife to do it she is going to be the one to select it so if you don't win <laughs> if you don't win you know then blame my wife i'm just joking but uh seriously uh you can submit that to me at state of the saints at gmail.com uh and she'll select the winner all right i'm uh the people that get it right i'm gonna put their name in a hat and this is how we're gonna do it put the name in a hat and i'm gonna tell my wife to pick one and whoever she picked that's who's gonna end up winning and no need to put it in the comments you know because uh it don't count all right and, and why would you put it in the comments when you can give your, yourself an opportunity uh to win once again the ultimate smooth package courtesy of manscape.com and also um even if you don't win you can still use that promo code state of saints and pick up your very own ultimate smooth package till next time all i gotta say is who that